Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We interrupt our normal program to cooperate in security and civil defense measures as requested by the United States government. Recorded live. Hoaxbusters call. Join the discussion by dialing seven two four. Treble four seven treble four. Call ID nine zero three three seven. Hey, what's going on there? It's uh, Monday. It is March the seventh. It's twenty sixteen. Uh, yeah, this hoaxbusters call. And uh, yeah, who's here on the chat? Uh, Jacob Israel, Greg and G, Hoop Stretcher, Tiny Man, Wave Fifty Seven. We also got uh, Paul from New York on the Skype uh, connection. Uh, hey, Paul, how you doing, man? I'm doing good. I like that intro. Good. The music. Good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, oh, yeah, to kind of get the, uh, yeah, get in a good mood and uh, try to, try to, yeah, just, you know, do some talking here. Uh, Hoaxbusters Call is what it's called. So it's just, if anybody's listening for the first time, my name's Chris. I'm from Oklahoma. It's just a uh, talk that's a weekly. Goes live out on the talk show. And uh, it's it's a recorded call. I do a, a bit of a, a monologue at the beginning. And then we go into talking about, you know, pretty much whatever. So it's real unfor- informal and kind of unscripted and... Uh, so yeah, if you're not accustomed to that sort of thing and you're looking for something that looks like the pristine production values and all that, this is probably not it. So I know that I get some comments out there, especially on iTunes. I don't know why it's like, oh, well, this is, uh, not, not up to my exacting standards on my, uh, you know, uh, for podcasts, it's like, oh, okay, fine. But there's like what, uh, like 8.2 million podcasts out there or something like that. So yeah, it, um, but you know, I, I do pay attention to sound quality and everything. I try to make it sound as good as I can. Uh, and I think it, I think it, it, it's not too bad. Listen back to the audios. Do you have a problem listening to the audios, Paul? Do you have any kind of uh, 
issues with being able to understand what people are saying or the sound levels or anything like that? No, my only issue is sometimes I try not to go back and listen to myself, but I do listen. I I do listen to myself sometimes, and and my mic could definitely be better. So anybody out there on iTunes, I do apologize for that. I'm working to rectify that situation, but it might take some time. But other than that, I pretty much understand everything everybody says. Well, that's good, and I'm glad that you admitted that you are the source of all the uh, <laughs> The weak link, I'm sorry. appreciate that, Paul. <laughs> it takes the load off of me. And yeah. No, I mean, well, yeah, it's a... It's just an issue with the the technologies at hand, you know, it's like uh not not everybody is gonna have like the high end mic or, you know, whatever. You can't expect it, so but uh and then somebody may call in with a cell phone or uh or some kind of uh a phone that they made out of like uh, some scrap wire and potatoes or something like that. And then it's not the best quality, but maybe that's all they got available, you know? So it's, 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 uh, it's what it is. The people's podcast. It's the people's podcast. Right. It's uh for the, for the what proletariat, right? Right. The workers party or yeah, we're full blown communist here so paul he's a hardcore communist leftist every everybody's communist leftist on the call uh it's it's just proletariat workers concerns and that sort of thing no i'm just kidding i don't i mean no but yeah i mean i guess I, i'm just joking around because everything has got to be classified and characterized and put into a its own box but uh actually in reality i don't identify myself under any kind of ism or anything like that i think those are just useful labels to anything out there i don't care what it is a anarchist label or a uh rightist label or a leftist label or a communist label they're just labels and uh they they serve a specific purpose within the framework of our whole system and it's it's it, i think it has more to do with uh like a divide conquer strategy and sort of a a a, a tendency for people to want to think in kind of absolutist terms and i don't necessarily go along with that i don't i think there are absolute truths and there are absolute things out there but uh yeah as far as being any in any particular kind of ideological uh framework it's like no i mean i don't buy into any of that any of that not i call it nonsense i think it's nonsense this this the the idea of yeah being kind of classified uh, what you hear all these names anarcho capitalist libertarian uh uh on and on and on they go right party What's that, Paul? Alt right. I'm, alt right. I, I've heard that. Oh yeah, yeah that's right. another one. I did run across that too. Alt right, right. So uh, that and uh, well, you know, I, it's um, 
I guess it serves a purpose for some people, but not for me. I don't, uh, I don't adopt any label, but I do, uh, pick and choose what I think makes sense and, and reject what doesn't make sense, which I think most people do. Uh, but then, you know, they will still classify themselves then under a certain label and, <clears throat> but then they, at the same time, do the same thing that everybody else does is kind of pick and choose, but you know, whatever. But, um, yeah, I was reading, uh, Jay Dyer had an article about anarchism. Uh, I read that through, uh, I think he makes a lot of good points. I, I, I don't consider myself an anarchist, but I do, uh, yeah, I, I think the arguments that are, are put forward by uh, like people who identify themselves as anarchists. I think that they have merit in so far as that they illustrate some, I think uh, really for me, I mean, they're, 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 they are, uh, it's kind of stating the obvious. I mean, after you kind of, well, I mean, for me anyway, after you kind of think, think it over and mull it over, it's like, well, yeah, that is true. Uh, well, the whole concept of the, you know, the constitution or what is a government and all that, that's, I'm sure that's been debated endlessly. Uh, I, I, uh, I kind of, I kind of align myself with those arguments and and that they make sense to me. And that's the only reason why I align myself with them, not because I'm going to join any kind of movement or a, or a kind of ideological, uh, I don't want to say cult, but some, some, a lot of times what it ends up being, a lot of this stuff out there ends up being a lot of really, uh, cult like in its, uh, manifestations in different ways. Uh, it, it makes sense that, okay, well, the concept of government that, you know, we have in the modern era is, you know, w- w- we know that it's characterized as sort of this centralized, multi-tiered, kind of top-down structure that will, I think most people understand this, listen to these calls that they don't trust this thing called the government or this concept of government or the the people that identify themselves as government, whatever that happens to be, but the the arguments that are put forward by you know anarchists or people who reject the notion of rulers uh i would not agree with the total rejection of rulers i, I think there's a innate uh sort of inclination to form hierarchies and i don't think there's anything that is out of sight of nature in that but uh, does that mean that that lends credence and legitimacy to the current system? I don't necessarily think so. I don't think that that necessarily lends credence to the idea that that the the current system as it stands now is uh, a a version of that that is legitimate. Because you know, I mean, go into a lot of stuff on these calls about uh, oh, media fakery, NASA fakery. 
just hoaxes and scams perpetrated on the public. I just did a video titled uh, The Shooting Epidemic 2, Part 2, Giffords and Gray's Anatomy, where pointing out that uh, there's an episode of this television program called Gray's Anatomy uh, in, in 2011 that aired on the 6th of January and uh, foreshadowed or or predicted or uh, prescripted the whole Gabriel Giffords Tucson shooting in, in Arizona. And um, yeah, if you take a look at that, or maybe you've already looked at it, it, I think that it is a, a a really good example of how, and there's others out there. There's plenty more out there. I, I assure you that are right in line with what is depicted in this particular video, but it gives you an insight into how Hollywood or, you know, this culture creation industries that are out there. I don't know whether or not the show is made in Hollywood, but wherever it's made, it's, I think it's uh pretty indicative of this of this coordinated system that uh when you step back and you look at all the examples out there i mean there's a definite integration or a synergy or a a a, a, a collaboration between what is known as the news media and the realm of fiction and films also in books also in uh you know, uh, different uh, outlets as far as what would be classified as entertainment. But then, you know, it's like, well, okay, people will point out that, you know, this is obviously an agenda-driven thing, which I would agree with. Uh, it's per what, what, I, what I know as uh, perception management what I refer to it as where it's, it's the shaping and molding of the mass public mind to get people in general to accept certain conditions within this uh, society, within their culture, you know, wh whether that takes upon the form of not being able to own firearms sometime in the future for personal protection and all that and different reasons why people purchase and own firearms. Um, I'm not a hundred percent certain if that's the agenda, but I, 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 it is my opinion that that is definitely part of the overall strategic goal of these psychological operations. I'll call them psychological operations. And then, you know, point out the fact that, you know, if we're going to, be somebody out there that's like you'll will propose that well this is what's known as a false flag in other words yeah this shooter was somehow prompted either through some kind of a mind control program uh mk ultra or you know some other clandestine program where they take somebody uh and then they brainwash them and then they give them some kind of a trigger uh, that sets them into motion and then they go into a public venue and start just shooting up the place. And well, I mean, if you look at this Grey's Anatomy episode and I've, and I've contrasted and compared the footage out of that with what was coming out in the reporting at the Tucson shooting, um, 
would, you know, if you're, if you're looking at this and you're thinking to yourself, well, okay, if, if this really happened and people were really shot, how do they plan this out in order for it to reflect what came out in this episode two days before? And I've seen articles out there where their people are proposing that, oh, well, Jared Loftner was inspired by the Grey's Anatomy episode, maybe. And that's what uh, kind of prompted him to act. And then he was modeling his shooting after the, uh, you know, the Grey's Anatomy episode. And it's like, well, actually, so the shooter in the Grey's Anatomy episode was named Jared. And he was the same age as him. So I guess that was just a fortuitous kind of coincidence. And then he carried it out even further to shoot Gabriel, the Senator Gabriel Giffords in the head and do it in such a skilled manner that she didn't die, but had to undergo a surgical procedure that is uh, identical to the one described in the Grey's Anatomy episode. You see what I'm saying? And then, and then the vigil that was held and it looks just like the vigil that was held on the Grey's Anatomy episode. So what did everybody get inspired by the Grey's Anatomy episode and hold the vigil? Just like the, I I don't think so. I really don't think so. I I don't think that uh, the shooter was mind controlled and shot Giffords in the head, but did it so that she didn't die so that she had to have, the, the the cranioplasty or whatever they call it to I, I don't think so I think that the most uh, plausible explanation for that all those crazy far out wild coincidences that are there one after the other after the other is that there is a coordination and both of both narratives are part of a script and and they work in unison to communicate ideas to the public and they're both scripted and they're both fiction and there's no actual injured or dead people involved and a lot of people think oh that is absolutely insane how could that possibly be well if you step away from this stuff and you look at it and I'm telling you, there's all kinds of other examples. The Boston bombing, seven seven uh, bombing in 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 London, the the oh the Aurora shooting, the you know there's the Sandy Sandy Hook. Hook. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Paul. Yeah, Sandy Hook. And there was also foreshadowing on the Batman film with the Sandy Hook reference. And then that same film was being shown at the Aurora Theater. The, the was the uh uh pre pre screening of that film or what have you that was or the 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 midnight opening day release of the film where the uh, allegedly the aurora shooting happened so i mean okay you just got coincidence after coincidence after coincidence uh then you have the people that come on the tv and they're not displaying emotion like a normal person they come across as reading scripted lines and being being you know piss poor actors so you know so what you know i mean if you're analyzing and you're looking at this stuff you know if you don't care and you're like oh it doesn't affect me and whatever and i don't give a girl well, you don't give a crap but you know if you're looking at this stuff 
like most people will look at it just kind of passively and they take it in their psyche. They take it in their subconscious mind. They're aware of it. Maybe they don't look into it deeply, but you know, they, it is shaping and forming their view of the world is what it's doing. And if you're even one of those people that claim that, oh, well, it doesn't affect me because I don't watch TV. Well, it's affecting you by way of people who do watch television and do uh, participate in the ritual that is television. But, you know, so going into all this and coming to the realization that uh, this is what's going on in our world and our society and you have to know that there is, you know, so-called government, the government, whatever that is, you know, is definitely complicit and is working through these channels to manipulate people's minds and to bring them to certain foregone conclusions in order to, um, quote unquote, govern them in the way that they want government. So, the question then then comes up to whether or not, okay, could this system, the way it exists, in, in anybody's definition of what would be, you know, legitimate, is this legitimate? Is this in any way, shape, or form legitimate? Meaning, does it, does it have any intrinsic value just by its existence? that uh, warrants its uh the the deference and the fealty that people pay to this thing called government. I I don't think so. I don't think that any organization that operates on that kind of a level of deception and subterfuge and and just outright lying to people on a regular basis. And this is one thing that I brought up too. It's not it's not just a lie. It's it's, it's a fundamental breach of the very thing that keeps a society in any way cohesive and that's just basic trust it's a total violation of trust to do something like this and now, now we talk about the concept of the noble lie and maybe the uh, uh the you know presuppositions a lot of this is based on in the minds of those that are perpetrating it and so you have this concept of, okay, well, this noble lie to where, well, yeah, we have to fake it so that it doesn't happen for real. Or, you know, once we get the guns out of everybody's hands, then it's going to, you know, subsequently save lives. And therefore, all this lying and uh, fake crying on TV and all this stuff that seems really, really bad, maybe to the average person, if they become aware of it. Like, wow, that's that's really just sick, you know, pretending that you had a loved one die, but you really didn't. And you're acting and you know you're acting. And and then you'll see example after example after example where these people like will like smile, laugh and stuff during this uh, uh, crisis period or this period of great uh, turmoil, which should be for them and great emotional trauma. And they're laughing. It's like, <laughs> really? Oh, yeah, because they're acting, and it's what's called, uh, what, from what I understand, it's this thing called duping the light, where if somebody is a uh, pathological liar, and they're kind of uh, of that personality type, 
and they're in the business of doing that kind of on a regular basis, just how they live their life. I've met these people before. Uh, they will be so taken with themselves and their ability to dupe somebody that they, they just are, are thrilled and they can't help it. Just smile or maybe laugh or giggle or like, man, I'm really getting over on these long kids. You know, it's like that, that's what you see. But, you know, question is, it's like, uh, and see to this, I don't think that this sort of thing is actually a new development. And I, and I really don't think it's because, you know, the Jews got us and took over back in 1913. And so they started running Jew games on us. And no, I don't buy any of that. I think this is something that has been going on uh, from the beginning. I think maybe even Abraham Lincoln, I haven't looked into that that extensively, but stuff I've gathered here and there, it's like how uh, they had, oh, the army on the scene, right, immediately storming in, like within minutes. It's like, yeah, okay, sounds like another setup job to me, but what do I know? I wasn't there, and I wasn't there at Sandy Hook, and I wasn't there on 9-11, and I wasn't, but uh, when the evidence is presented to me, and, you know, like you'll see stuff about 9-11 Well, you know, they're showing you the Fresh Kills landfill and there's no damn furniture in there and there's no damn doorknobs and there's no uh, tons and tons and tons of, you know, just plumbing stacked up to a, a, a mountain of plumbing and a mountain of chairs and a mountain of, you know, because you're talking about two 110-story High, modern high-rise buildings with just loaded with stuff, just absolutely loaded with doorknobs. Where is it all at? Well, Chris, it got vaporized. It's like, no, nah, man, I don't think so. I really don't. I don't think all the metal and everything just got vaporized. I nope, sorry, don't believe it. Just don't believe it. Don't believe it. Well, space beams. You got to understand it, it. They shot uh, the towers with. That they they have these high powered beams and it it just takes everything and turns it into fine powder. It's like, well, yeah, okay. So you, we have to go and in, invoke science fiction. No, I think the more logical again, the more logical explanation is the whole thing was a theater production, and it played out like a theater production. The people, the reporters, were talking about, oh, it's like the movie Independence Day, and uh, uh. Yeah, it's like the movie Independence Day. It's played out just like Independence. They had the buildings fall just like on Independence Day. They had the all the over the top visceral in your face drama just like Independence Day. They had the people running down the street from the cloud just like Independence Day. Yeah, it's just like Independence Day. That was uh, another example of pre-scripting or pre uh predictive programming or in the Independence Day film that came out what in 1995, like 6 years before 9/11. And then on 9-11, if you would have been uh, sort of in that demographic for, you know, a wild science fiction, like, uh, you know, in the kind of teenage years, uh, boys in their in their teens, preteens, uh, 95, when they saw Independence Day, they would have been war fighting age by the time 9-11 rolled around. And they have all that psychological embeds already implanted through all the... Uh, semiotics and symbology and everything that's in the independence day film 
So, yeah, again, back to the question of, like, is this system that does this kind of, pulls this kind of absolutely <laughs> outrageous shenanigans on the public on a regular basis? And the NASA thing's absolute ridiculous hoax and fake. Come on already. Look at the footage now with your modern eyes. Look at the back at the footage from the 60s. Look at the lunar thing taken off. Look at the dudes dangling from wires. It was absolutely 100% joke and fake and hoaxed. And if you if you're a diehard believer in the moon thing, you you got problems. Oh well, yeah, they got all the no, they don't have the footage. They lost it. They said they lost all the telemetry data and all this data. It's gone. Fourteen thousand big honking reel to reel tapes. They lost it all. Really? Yeah, yeah, it's gone. You believe that? You believe it? If you believe it, then I can't. I'm not gonna try to help you. It's like, forget it, man. Just like, if you believe that garbage, absolute garbage, the, 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 the presentation is, it was good for its day, but now it's like, come on, look at it. It's just, you know, it's, 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 it's unacceptable. It's not real, but you know, people are diehard believers that, oh, we went to the moon. It's like, okay, fine, you know, fine, but. Yeah, back to, you know, okay, anarchy and government and all that. It's like, well, a system that operates on that level of deception, to me, can't be legitimate. And somebody might come back with, you know, you know, or, you know, have the belief that, you know, governments are are derived from God and, and God's authority. Uh, well, I mean, pick up your Bible Look at Romans 13, you know, it says God, you know, governments are from God. Uh, well, okay, go to seven. Let's go back to 1776. Well, what happened? Well, we had the American Revolution. Got to understand it. We kicked the British asses out of America and we got won our independence. It's like, whoa, wait a minute. Oh, this was Christians doing this. Yeah, it was Christian, good Christian. George Washington is a good Christian, man. And so it's to Tom and all them, all them guys were, and it's just the righteous right to, you know, to do to fight tyranny. And, you know, like, like they always say, like the Bible says that resistance to tyranny is allegiance to God, the Lord. And then I, you know, ask, okay, where exactly in the Bible is that? Cause I don't think it says that, but maybe like people have this concept of the great founding fathers and the uh, American revolution that that was somehow godly it's like no they're rebelling against the king the king laid claim to divine right to rule so they were rebelling against god actually if you're taking romans 3. so this is an illegitimate government based on the bible right this is government's Ill illegitimate based on the bible if you take the bible literally and you believe that it's what it says and you believe that governments are from god well we should still be under british rule and even in the, you go to the modern day, they don't lay any kind of claim to being have divine right from God. They don't tell you that. It's oh, it's a secular secular government. We believe in separation of church and state. We don't want to have anything to do with any appeals to religion or anything. But then you know, if if you look at okay, what people criticize religions for, it's oh yeah, it's not evidence based or it's not factually based on anything. It's just based on blind faith and. You put your trust in, in the saying of the Bible, and then you put your uh, faith in some guy that lived 2,000 years ago and that he raised from the dead, and, and, you, and you just got to take it on 
blind faith because there's no evidence for it. It's just no evidence for it. You just you're, you're just uh, you're just mind controlled and you and you believe in in, in fairy stories. It's like okay, so in seventy seventy six, magical powdered wig men put down the law on the Constitution, and that was the law of the land. Just kind of like the ta- the tablets came down from Mount Sinai. And it's like, oh, here's the law, here's the commandments, and this is this is good from now till you know doomsday or whatever. And how, how does that? How is that not a total myth? I mean, okay, where is okay? Where do you get magical powers? Where do you get the magical powder wig powder that gives you the magical powers to write stuff down on parchment with quill pens and make it magically into law? I think that's a really really good question. Uh, that's something like anarchists will bring up. So I guess if if that makes me an anarchist, I, I guess I'm an anarchist for asking those kind of questions, like questioning that whole mythology, because it sounds like a bunch of uh, a made up myths. Well, you understand that George Washington, he chopped down the cherry tree because he was so honest. And then he like he confessed to his dad about it. And that, that and he was an honest guy. And, and and he was really, really, really good general and a really, really good soldier. And it's like, yeah, but then, okay, the Bible says, you know, turn the other cheek. And then so I, so being some kind of a warrior or a warlord or anything like that, that doesn't, uh, there's, there's inconsistencies there, I think, with Christianity and that whole concept. And then rebelling against government and then rebelling against the king. That's also a, a con- direct conflict with what it says in the Bible. But see, it doesn't matter because people build these associations uh by way of just this rhetoric that gets put out there by you know this notion of politics or you know right wing philosophy or whatever and then that that it, it's so uh you know oh repetition sloganeering and that's how it gets embedded into people's brains and you know well, what i say is fine okay government is from god uh, show me evidence that, you know, this government right now is, is a representation of God. Well, historically, it's not. So what is it? How is it a representation of God's will on Earth today? I mean, just, you know, with facts and, you know, evidence, because that's what we're talking about. I mean, is is because we're a secular nation, right? We believe in processes and scientific methods and all that. And, they're in, and, and, and we're men of reason and we got to have everything that we do kind of ironclad based in the material universe with evidences and facts and so on and so forth. So what is your evidence that uh, the, the powdered wig man had magical powers to make to write stuff down and then to make it into law? What, what's, what's the evidence for that? I mean, how, how does that happen? Where, where's, where's the evidence? But, um, well, they get secrets, they get their, authority from God himself. It's like, okay, so how do you, so you just kick, kick the butts of the King's men. And then you're now the rightful heir of the divine throne. Is that how it works? Or it's very, very, very confusing. All this stuff about government is like no logical consistency in any of these ideologies. That's, that's what I want. That's the point I was trying to make. It's like, okay, where do you get, logical sound consistency that's all i want it's like okay but you know and then we have to invoke all these kind of different abstractions about oh well we need government and who's going to build the roads you know that kind of thing like you know abstractions i mean like you know 
the, the, you invoke these ideas without any kind of evidence or anything based on any other experience or anything like that, other than what, what you're saying is like these things can't be done or need certain needs and things that we absolutely must have as a people, as a culture, as a society can't be accomplished by any other means than through government. But see, there's no evidence or anything in that because people are pretty much walled up within uh, this, these ideas that they, that get, they get inculcated with these ideas and then they lead to this absolutist form of thinking to where like, well, this is, it's either, or either, Chris, you either accept the government and you worship it just like I do. And you, you raise, you, you stand up and you put your hand over your heart at the, um, you know, the national anthem and all that, or you, uh, wallow around naked with, uh, you know, eating roadkill and, and, and pine cones and you just live like a total savage unwashed uh you know uh troglodyte or whatever i don't know what i'm trying it's just it's like either or thinking either or either it's like the your the buildings are on fire you know people are running around their freaking heads on fire bumping into crab where everything is just bedlam and chaos or it's either uh top-down systematic absolutist control by whatever means necessary by some identified group known as government and i think another good point that the anarchists make is how do you delegate a right to somebody because that's what they'll tell you well you see it's a democracy and you vote for them and then that gives them their right to you know go around and collect taxes at gunpoint and do all that stuff well it's like if i can't do it yeah how do i delegate that right to somebody else to be able to do that kind of thing. So, yeah, that's another really good question. And I, I don't think anybody to yet that I've heard has a has a reasonable answer to that. Because how do you do it? How do you delegate something that's a right that you don't have, but you can delegate it to another individual by voting or any other kind of pro process that's conceivable? You can't delegate a right that you don't have to somebody else, which totally makes sense. How does that happen? So how do you have these people that designated this government could lock you into a cage for however long period of time just because you had a bag of a pl dried plant of something that grows out of the ground? And then now it has some special designation as being illegal, quote unquote, and we could ignore the laws as they apply to us, you know, for cops or for judges or whatever, screw it. We don't have to obey the law. Example after example, after example, after example of that out there where they let each other off the hook. They catch, they pull a cop over. He's just shit house drunk. He can't even talk. What, what seems to be the problem here? Why are you parked out in the middle of the intersection? It's like, then they're getting ready to kick old boy's ass. They get his ID. They look at it. Oh, whoop, whoop, hold on, hold on. It's like one of our brothers. What are we going to do? And it's like, it, I've seen this video that's out there. I believe it. I don't think this is fake crap. I don't care what anybody says. It, I know this goes on. I'm absolutely certain of it. Uh, they, without even looking at each other, the two cops that were uh, dealing with this guy that was absolutely just about as drunk as he could possibly be on the side of the, in the you know, park in the car out, you know, had been driving certainly. And, um, they didn't even look at each other. They just immediately 
switched gears and 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 started talking about okay it, they they put their um uh ticket thing away both at the same time and they started talking about yeah we're we're, we're going to figure out how we're going to get uh uh old uh Tommy boy we're going to figure out how to get Tommy boy home cuz he's he's in a bad way we got to help our brother out it's like oh okay yeah, yeah. So, I mean, so they don't apply the law to themselves, obviously. And there's so many more examples out there, you know, of that. But, you know, they get to lock people away indefinitely for just stuff that, like, how is that even against the law to grow something that naturally grows in the ground? And, you know, not not that I'm some uh, big, you know, pot-smoking promoter. I don't smoke pot. I don't, you know, I don't do drugs. And, uh, but, you know, it's just the idea the concept, it's just totally outlandish to me. And I think it's just absolutely ridiculous, but, um, it, 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 it doesn't matter because it's faith-based belief in, in this thing called government. So it's like, yeah. And, it, and it's predicated on this idea of like, oh yeah. Cause people always tell you like, oh, who, who, who will build the roads if we don't have government? It's like, oh yeah, well, okay. Oh, I guess you got me there. I don't know. I don't think a road could be built without uh, George Bush or Barack Obama leading up the the whole chicken coop on this deal, you know. So, yeah, you got me there. I don't think it's possible to even uh, – maybe we'll build them like we always build them with, like, the machinery and stuff that I, I don't think it would vaporize if the government vaporized because the government's an abstract concept. There's concrete i mean literal concrete that you know you can make to build roads and it's concrete exists and it it, it won't vaporize when fictions vaporize but you know it, it uh but it just goes to show that people are are pretty much you know oh well i guess they're pretty much content with the way things are as long as the boot is not currently at this very moment up against their uh the seat of their pants, then they're, they're, they're fine with everything, you know, of uh, as it is, you know, maybe they don't, they don't like, uh, paying all the taxes and all that, but see the taxes is a thing too. It's like, uh, obviously they don't need taxes to run anything or to build anything or build roads or anything. Well, how would they get the money? It's like, well, uh, they would print the money like they print the money or issue it to themselves or, or have the bank issue it to themselves or because, you know, money is an absolute fiction. You don't have to send it through a bunch of hands and then retrieve it out of somebody's hands at the end of the chain. You take it at the beginning when it has value and then you spend it in the economy and then you stimulate the economy that way. It's totally fiction. It's an abstraction. It's totally arbitrary where, where and when to spend it. And it's all predicated upon. Oh, the ability to of the of the people to do work and to produce things, and that's the only limit that it has. Other than that, it's completely an abstraction. It's a it's a it's some kind of it's a total fictional construct, you know. And people just have no clue what's going on with money. They don't understand it, but it absolutely, totally, one hundred percent rules every aspect of our lives. Uh, and then there's that, the whole money system. But, uh, yeah, it was ran across. Well, first of all, we talked about this before and it's about, uh, this thing called, if I'm even can pronounce this right, anthro 
Anthropotelemetry, Anthropotelemetry, Dr. Switch Gable's Machine. Uh, I'll read this abstract, a couple of paragraphs out of this. Um, we talked about this a while back. Uh, we also did a call with uh, Jay Dyer. We talked about this, too. And he has some postings on uh, jaysanalysis.com dealing with this. And I'll put a put a link to it at the uh, on hoaxbusterscall.com. But, yeah, I think this is pretty interesting. And it's pretty telling of the kind of, you know, the system that we live in. Uh, maybe where it's headed. I don't know. I don't make predictions on this stuff. I mean, this technology stuff, it just seems like it's getting totally out of, out of hand. Uh, anthropotelemetry, Dr. Switch Gable's machine, an electronic device capable of tracking the wearer's location, uh, transmitting information about his activities, communicating with him, and perhaps modifying his behavior is now in experimental use in Cambridge, Massachusetts. This method of surveillance differs from eavesdropping in that the wearer is aware of it and may have consented, at least nominally, to its use. Since the wearer carries the device with him, it can be used to keep him under continuous surveillance. Partly because of these factors, tracking is likely to have a stronger effect on behavior than eavesdropping. This note will explore possible uses for tracking and considerations that should govern its employment. Uh, section 1 here, the tracker in the form now being used by Ralph Switchgable of the Science Committee on Psychological Experimentation. Uh, the tracker consists of two containers, each about the size of a thick paperback book. One contains batteries, the other a transmitter that automatically emits radio signals coded differently for each transmitter so that many of them may be used in one frequency band. Uh, the present transmitter has, uh, when coupled with the present receivers, a range of about a quarter of a mile. And to be tracked, a person must be within the distance of two receivers. Uh, the signals are picked up by the receivers and fed into a modified missile tracking device, which determines the wearer's position and displays it on screen. Uh, the device can be connected to a sensor resembling a wristwatch. It then transmits the wearer's pulse rate. In addition, the wearer can send beeps to the receiver by pressing a button, and the receiver can beep in reply. Uh, present technology can make the tracker available in a far smaller size. A small microphone can easily be added to, to transmit whatever the wearer heard or spoke, and a walkie-talkie arrangement could be introduced. Uh, the transmitter might be broadcast signals from sensors, recording blood, alcohol levels, or other physiological data. If brain waves are monitored, those at the receiving end could know whether the wearer was asleep, drowsy, alert, or that's the end of the abstract, uh, emotionally something, uh, upset or something like that. So, yeah. And that was from Harvard Law Review, Volume 80, Number 2, December 1966. And so after just reading that, I want to play this piece of audio. And this is from the Twit uh, video podcast, This Week in Tech. Uh, and, yeah, check this out. And I'm going to go ahead and play this. It's a couple of minutes. Well, let's move on. The Wall Street Journal reports that three companies are offering their employees an Apple Watch, the low, low price of $25, 
with no strings attached. Oh, except for this one very big string. If the employee doesn't meet regular fitness goals after a two-year period, they will have to pay full price for the Apple Watch. And that could be anywhere from $350 to $17,000 if you opt for the gold Apple Watch. But I'm guessing this offer is probably just for the sport edition since it's designed to uh, to encourage employees to be healthier, make healthier choices, be more active. Kind of done uh, on a monthly on a monthly basis. So essentially, every month is worth thirteen dollars and fifty cents. So if you miss a month, you or you know if you miss your goals in a month, you actually owe thirteen dollars and fifty cents for that month. So you'd have to be really bad to be you know like really just not care at all and be super cool with just paying full price if you agree to do this and then don't fit, meet your goals and pay on a monthly basis. But uh, but yeah, it's interesting, and it's not the first time that this has happened. Targets, do, you know, doing this with their employees for with Fitbits. Uh, United Health Group is doing this with, well, it just said a custom fitness tracker, but also offer, offering a, a cash incentive. My question is, how effective is it? Does it actually work in the long run? What do you think? And is this a good incentive uh, for people to kind of get up and move? Well, I think obviously we need a we need a sample size, and yeah. uh, uh, there's. A lot of fun and the idea that, you know, com- com- the bottom line is companies are looking for ways to make sure their, their employees are fit, which then will lower their, the amount of money they have to pay into health, you know, covering health insurance. So obviously there is a, a balance sheet issue here from the company's point of view. There might be some altruism involved too. And jumping on, you know, gadget bandwagons like, you know, Apple Watches and <laughs> Fitbits and so forth. Yeah. I love my Apple Watch for tracking fitness, but you know what? I had a Pebble before that and it worked well for that too and is a little bit cheaper. But, you know, it, it, it's changing the culture. So if you're going to do, if you're going to offer something like this, let's make sure that your commissary is also offering a lot of healthy options and that you don't have junk food in the vending machines and so forth. It needs to kind of be a holistic approach. Um, but, you know, it's fun. That's and and hopefully people will use it in the you know in the manner in which it's expected mm-hmm. to to you know I hope it, I hope it helps people. Sure. Can I have a blog idea for you? I don't know if you have ever done this, but here's a, a hack for trying to keep up to your fitness goals: put your watch on your child's. And just have them run around with it for a while. And then, you know, it only takes probably, I don't know. I have two fifth graders and, uh, you know, sometimes they put on my watch and all my calories that I need to burn for a day happen Uh, uh, in 15 minutes, pretty much just with the running and the spinning. My my kids, it's a a great idea, but both my boys and their teenagers have their own fitness trackers. So they're already loaded up. See, I know what you're talking about, but I can only put it in the context of YouTube, uh, recommendations. Uh, because yeah, my kids go crazy on my YouTube account and then I see lots of princess videos. Aren't I lucky? Um, yeah, I, I, th- I think this is interesting. I think, yes, part of it is the whole healthcare aspect. I think another part of it too is just kind of, uh, employee morale, right? Like mm-hmm. having the opportunity. I mean, yes, you are, you do have a bargain to hold, hold up your end of, but really, it's kind of doing something that's good for you. And in the end, you get this nice Apple Watch as a gift. Right. But I mean, it makes like, you feel good as an employee, I suppose. Yes. But let's remember, it's not just a fitness tracker. I mean, yeah. it is right. a, it is a way that employers can track you in other ways. <laughs> it is true. a way that employers can it's know, not just well, a fitness tracker. I sent you a text. Why didn't you answer it? You can't say you weren't near your phone anymore because it's <laughs> always on you. On you. Like, I mean, it's I a you tracker. It is. It's like, yeah, I remember back. I'm old enough to remember the days of pagers and I had a yeah. job where I had to 
carry a pager around. And, and that was like the beginning of the end in oh, terms yeah. of like having your own uh, free time and, and also having a job where people wanted to know where you are and get your um, you know attention at any time. So. At all times. Yeah, I know. I've worked for enough very large companies that the efficiency with which they keep track of this kind of thing is is never as good as you you know as you might be afraid of. Right, right. <laughs> big brother is not very good at being big brother most of the time. Yeah, yeah so. exactly. <laughs> yeah, big brother is not good at being big brother most of the time. Well, yeah, I don't know about that. Well, but what about you know maybe at some point when uh, the tracking is you know completely one hundred percent automated. And uh, it's incorporated with like what we talked about before with the uh, oh Sesame credits, the credit scoring system that China is going to adopt in 2020 to make it mandatory for all its citizens to be on some social uh, scoring database where, you know, like they were talking about, they're interviewing a guy over there in China and he's talking about. Yeah, I'm on the system now, and I kind of like it's kind of cool. Uh, there's there's thing I don't like about it though, because uh, if I import uh, at, at, what do you say, comic books from Japan, I get I get deducted social credits because the government doesn't like uh, you know importing stuff from Japan, or that doesn't like you reading comic books, maybe, or this that and the other thing, maybe doesn't like it too much, so it won't give you the good points. And you want the good points because that means you're a good you're a good citizen, and you don't want to not be a good citizen because you get passed over for employment, you get passed over for loans, you get passed over for uh, the stuff that makes you a happy slave. So you want to be a good slave, you want to be a happy slave, you want to have your social score up there. Um, yeah, and I think they're doing the they're they're working in. A similar system, and I don't know to what degree, but I mean, from the sounds of that. So, how many companies did they say Paul was going to implement this Apple Watch thing, where you, where you, uh, you're on the uh, some kind of fitness schedule, I guess? Because this Apple Watch, from from what I understand, it's it's got all this uh, fitness tracking stuff where it registers your pulse and how many steps you take and all this that and the other thing and uh, adds it up and gives you a score. So that's already a real thing. Uh, this Swartz Cable machine that's, that was, uh, proposed that, that's that, that uh, Harvard Law document from the 66. I mean, it sounds an awful lot. They even, they even mentioned a watch format to put this thing on. And I guess the whole, uh, conceptualization came out of the, the prison industry where it's like, yeah, you know, we got, cause I mean, they got so, darn many people in prison nowadays it's like yeah we be nice you know we gotta we have this house arrest thing and you know they have that implemented now to a large degree but it's like man so i guess the way to get it into everybody's life is just to have these little incentive programs that's like that's how they like to do stuff over here in the states where it's like a this little option deal yeah well like you said it's fun right like uh would you, would you take the watch if you were working there at a, what do they say? Was that Target? And was that some other different companies? I forget, I forget what company it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, no, I, I personally would, uh, would, would not do it's, that. It's, it's fun, Paul. I mean, you're against yeah. fun then. 
you're just uh, well, right. I don't it. seem to um, uh, have the same concept of fun as a, a, a lot of people. Uh, one of the things that that brought up for me was, um, you know, like what uh, you know. You talk about government, but for most people, they're most uh, the the obvious manifestation of authority is not so much the U.S. government, but their their employer. And then I guess you could like, you know, spread the circle out a little further. It's like, well, the employer does in some sense, you know, uh, through minimum wage laws and so forth, uh, answer to the to the to the government. Um, but it one of the issues that I, I actually tried to call um, there's a, a ACLU lawyer uh, in the town I live in that uh, I can um uh, he's answered my questions a couple of times, and I tried to get in touch with him uh, last week uh, about the um, issue of um, how much can – well, I, I, I'm sorry. Are you done with your monologue? Can I, I, I don't want to I don't, I, I don't talk when I'm not supposed to talk. Yeah. Uh, let me just play this bumper, and okay. then in case anybody wants to call in, it's got the okay. number and whatnot on here. Okay. Thank you for listening to the Hoax Busters Call. You can join the discussion by dialing area code 724-444-7444. Caller ID 90337. Hoax Busters. Hoax Busters. Conspiracy. Or just theory. Good. All right. Oh. Uh, can I talk now? Uh, absolutely. Uh, so what were you saying about? Okay, the- so I, I used to be um, in. in uh, there's several things that have happened online that, uh, for me, like these. There's like really meaningful communities online that um, uh, you know had a, a certain life, and then they just go away for one reason or another. Um, and uh, one of those was the the, the maps form. Uh, MAPS is the Multidisciplinary Association for Psychedelic Studies, which has its own. I mean, you know, you talk to some people. I'm not. I'm not saying that there are angels over there, but um, anyway, that forum for a, a short period of time before they shut it down um, uh, was a really interest. There were some, you know. Uh, uh, pretty interesting people having a discussion. It was like an email thing, you, you know, like it wasn't like a, I think they, they published it later, but, but you, you know, we're having these email conversations and one of the issues that, and this was, this was before pot was uh, uh cannabis or whatever you want to call it was legalized in the States of Washington and Colorado. And uh, I, one of the questions I asked is like, well, okay, so does 
can what right does an employer have to um you know like say whether or not how whether or not you can smoke pot and then you know like i took that a step further and i said uh i i asked the forum um uh can an employer say that you may not watch tv after eight o'clock on a sunday night do they have that right and the answer that i got from that forum was they do the employer can tell the, the employer has that that is a legal right now i can't believe that that's true but then uh, and and so the the question I wanted to ask the lawyer, and I'd be interested if, if anybody listening you know knows the answer to this. Uh, well, can the employer say, well, um, you may not uh, worship Allah? <laughs> you know, is it uh, you know uh, is there that kind? You know, like it, does it extend uh, uh, that far? So um, and then you know, like listening to this thing about the the, the watch. And, uh, uh, you know, like in giving these employers and, and, and one of the things that has constantly aggravated me is um, uh, uh, em- employee uh, drug testing uh, and alcohol testing. Um, and I know this is a sensitive issue because there's some uh, sometimes there's uh, safety issues involved. Uh, but um, in general, it's my feeling that it's really none of your business what's in my body. If you think I'm drunk, then fire me. But if you if you're so uncertain whether or not I'm drunk that you have to like to test, you know, my bodily fluids, then, you know, like to me, that's already giving up. You just you might as well just sign the slave papers right there. And I don't understand why more people, why there wasn't more of an outcry about that. I, yeah, well, I mean, it's done in some context. It's not like the so-called government is requiring mandatory drug testing. I don't know in what context they do that. Maybe they do in some in some uh, some of these institutions. But see, uh, yeah, it uh, just like the whole getting the Apple watch and having it track you at work. And, uh, you know, you could make the argument, I guess that, Oh, well, if it ever became like something that was mandatory, you know, you still have a choice of not working there. So you can go somewhere and work. Right. You don't have that as mandatory. And then, um, you know, if it becomes like a, I guess, a just a commonplace thing to where, yeah, you know, this is so handy for, you know, making sure that you're working while you're at work and in, and nobody should have a problem with that because, you know, like they keep telling us, if you have nothing to hide, you have nothing to fear. So, you know, having some kind of device that, you know, monitors your heart rate, your pulse, make sure that you're, you're, you're giving it all to your boss that when you're there, when he's, got you on the clock, all that stuff, you know, you shouldn't have a problem with that unless you're a slacker, you know, I mean, that's that, that I can see that as an argument being made. And, you know, it's like, you don't have to work at one of these places that require you to, to wear this monitoring device. You can always work at, um, you know, Del Taco and they don't make you wear one of those, you know, 
And then, you know, mm-hmm. Del Taco starts making their employees wear one. And, says, and then, then the argument will just be switched over to something else until it's just uh, uh, so commonplace that it's like, oh, well, why do you, the, why do you have a problem with it? Nobody else does. That, then that mm-hmm. becomes the argument, you know. Well, I don't see why you have a problem with it. Everybody else gladly accepts it, and they get their little, uh, like, a Torito at the end of their shift for being a good good worker and wearing their uh, tracking device, and they get little bonus points, and they get into the, into the uh, bonus system. And, yeah, it's all working out good, and, you know, it's helping the economy and uh, it's helping efficiency and, you know, we got to compete with the, uh, you know, all these, uh, they call lesser developed nations because, you know, it's, we enter in a new phase of the economy and we got to make sure that we all stay competitive. And if you have a problem with that, then you're probably just a lazy slacker that really doesn't like to work, that likes to steal from their boss and not give your boss the hundred percent. Yeah, I can see all these arguments coming coming about as this sort of thing gets more commonplace. You know, starts with these seeing that I was starting so early because this this dang thing hasn't you know these watches haven't been out that long, uh, and then now you're already hearing about this kind of thing, which is always part of the overall plan. You know, as far as my thinking goes, at least. Um, and then, yeah, incremental phasing it in first, it's a voluntary opt-in thing. And then it's made like, uh, so they have this twit program that's coming out basically as a little promotional piece for this, you know, it's kind of a native advertising thing. And it's interesting how they have the, the, the one female on the panel be the dissenter. You, You notice that it'll be like the female that's like speaks, speaks out and speaks up. You know, hey, maybe this ain't such a great idea. Uh, the 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 guy, the the men, I guess, quote unquote, are the ones that are just one hundred percent gung ho, pretty much for the most part. Like, yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it's like I got my kids strapped in on these deals, and they already got them. I don't have to be told to do that. I know it's the right thing to do. I know it's need to be uh, have your have your uh, all your in infographics charted out and da- data sets and all this stuff. So you can make sure that you're uh, healthy and uh, productive and uh, yeah, it's fun and it's great. And then now well, and- they've talking about this gamification thing. That's a, it's another uh-huh. thing that I think just is incorporated in with all of this. <clears throat> Well, it was interesting how in the uh, um, segment that you played that um, they did. Uh, uh, I, I mean, I don't know who these people are, but it, it was interesting that um, they did go out of their way to say, well, this is a little bit of altruism on the part of these companies. Did you hear that? It's altruism, you know, like they just kind of breeze by. But he did, uh, you know, get that in there. It's like, oh, probably the motivation is altruism. Mhm. Oh, oh yeah. They just want you to be happy and be healthy. And uh-huh. It's all for the greater good of society that everybody's, you know, now we have this obesity epidemic and, you know, what are we going to do about it? Well, it's cuz people aren't getting enough exercise. Well, 
Right. Yeah, and then you know you see Which is, this. I, you uh, know that's that's question that's very questionable. That that's not. Uh, you know, like in the past couple of months, I've been um, um, doing, uh, uh, you know, like uh, looking into nutrition and uh, um, it's amazing how much dissent there is. Um, and like I, I, I often remark on, you know, like how many different theories I've heard about why Americans are fat. Right. And it's just like every couple of years. Well, it's because of this. It's because of that. And, um, you know. I mean, I'm of the 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 the, the uh, train of thought that uh, uh, you know, like there is, you know, like it's something to do with big food, and there might, there probably is some kind of like uh, you know, um, uh, political control going on there. I don't think it's just a profit motive of big food, but I think there's a uh, you know, like several things that make that um, a desirable outcome for for. Um, uh, uh, the oligarchy, put it that way. Uh, so, yeah, it's so kind of it, a problem, reaction, solution type setup here with all of this, too. You can see it from this angle where it's like, well, we have to address this obesity problem. And then, the, of course, economics is always kind of brought into the discussion of, oh, it costs businesses X amount because everything is a quantified and, and, and attributed to the to the spreadsheet and the bottom line, right? Because mm -hmm. you're a human resource and, and see our human resources are not as efficient as we'd like them to be. You know, we have, we're struggling. Our economy is, is struggling and this will help and this will help everybody. You want to be healthier, right, Paul? You want to, you want to be more, you want to be more productive and you want to be uh, healthy for you and your family. And it's all, I do want to be healthy. That is true. Yeah. It's all, for good it's all for the good and you know if we could just get everybody to to volunteer voluntarily you know get get their all their biometrics everything tracked then um you know we could uh, make sure that you're all your blood circulating good and you're in good you're in good health <laughs> and you're getting plenty of exercise i say what's wrong with that it's great you know it's the technology is going to solve all of our issues and problems but okay so, we'll uh, just totally ignore the fact that um oh yeah didn't science provide everything that's in the grocery store as we know it with the processing of food and the uh, freaking point and the that's mass right. production of it that, that was all that's science right. right that's right you know You're it's right. like so science gave us the issue because i i think the issue is clear as far as I mean, you look at the stuff in the store, you look at what people are buying soda pop, they're buying these cakes, candies, breads that instantly turn into sugar in your bloodstream. And then not only that, but it's denatured food. It doesn't have any nutrition. So you're filling yourself up with this denatured food. So at the same time, you're malnourished. But then on the other hand, you're pumping yourself through all through these um, easily accessible, high caloric intake products that are 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 designed to stimulate craving and and to make you crave it so you get on it's 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 like a drug it's it's definitely uh has all kinds of parallels to a to a drug uh dependency or drug habit and then since your body is in the starvation mode you'll start um it, your your body kicks in this process of storing up uh fat cells 
because your 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 body's getting signals that hey hey I'm not getting enough to eat I, I'm not I'm, but you're just you know people are just cramming themselves full of this denatured non nutritious garbage that's really not food it's actually like a drug and then uh, it's just it's just this vicious cycle that repeats and people continue to to eat eat this stuff and, it, and I think it's largely has to do with these carbohydrates these breads. And and these uh, artificial synthetic uh, oils and uh, uh, the synthesized um, cor- uh, corn starches and uh, flours and then the high fructose corn syrup that's loaded into everything. And it's like, oh, well, we just wonder. And it's just a big mystery why everybody's obese. But like uh, the, I was talking to this lady at one time at this. She was she owned this health food store. And uh, we, we had a good conversation about all this, uh, you know, so-called obesity epidemic. She says, oh, yeah, just go and look at uh, she was pointing out like a documentary from uh, the 60s era where, you know, they were they were talking about, oh, you know, how, what they did on this film set. And they were showing everybody that was on this film set. And there's all these dozens of people there. And he says, well, there's not one overweight person in that crowd. And that was just as far back as the 1960s. It's like it, all this obesity and stuff didn't come in until they introduced all these things into the groceries. I said, well, yeah, that totally makes sense. I mean, people just don't all of a sudden start packing on the pounds for no reason. And then it's coupled also with the ubiquity of easy entertainment and then the, the sedentary jobs that people work at and stuff like that. And it's all, it's all like this one-two punch of unhealthy activity coupled with unhealthy uh, intake of this this denatured food, and but it's science. It's all science. It's all has to. I, I would lay it all at the feet of science because it's all a product of our of our scientifically driven, systematized culture and society and our in, industrial mechanized nature of all of it. It's what it exactly that's that's where it comes from but see nobody will point that out they'll just blame the the fat people for being fat well it's like everybody's fat because everybody's just turned into a fat pig for some reason it, and that's a hard me. life if if you're you know like it you know that's that's a significant amount of suffering for those people you know what i'm saying it's like that's what i you know just that that's the heavy toll uh yeah, it's not uh anything anybody would voluntarily choose. No, it's not. I don't think who wants to be unhealthy and sluggish feeling and right. overweight and uh <laughs> nobody does, but uh yeah, it is it is I I do not that uh, you have absolutely no control over what you're eating. It's like, uh, yeah, there are options. And, yeah, but um, it's not but, even – and this is the thing. It's not – you know, like so you can say that, oh, it's because you're not getting enough exercise or, you know, like you're not – you know, like you – yeah, you do have a control over what you're eating. But in some sense, it's like what you eat is given to you by the culture. I mean I was definitely given as a child. I mean I can't – you know, lunch was – Wonder Bread and bologna and Lay's potato chips and a Coke, right? That was a, a, acceptable lunch. And, you know, some people uh, and, and, you know, like that's as a child. And that's like my food culture that I grew up with. And I think I read some some study 
that, you know, your basic food choices are determined by the time you're seven or eight years old. It's something like that. And it's really difficult to step away from, you know, what you, um, you, you consider food. And I, I lived overseas for a long time and I, I, I know what it's like to, you know, be presented with this food that it's like, well, this just doesn't, this is not, I, 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 it's just not acceptable, right? So here you have this population that, you know, like what's acceptable food, what's, what is food is, you know, something like, you know, Coke and, uh, which I just recently stopped drinking Coke. I've been drinking Coke all my life and I, I couldn't, that was like the one thing I just couldn't let go of. I, I was very attached to it. So what I'm saying is for these, you know, like, uh, yeah, you know, you could eat these, these kinds of things. And, and some people, you know, like have different reactions to that. Let's say your whole diet was along the lines of, okay, let's say for, 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 for breakfast, you have, uh, 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 cornflakes, right? Which is another issue. Uh, and then for lunch, you have the bologna sandwich and, and, uh, Coke and potato chips. And for, for dinner, you have a, a McDonald's hamburger. It's like some people are going to do, you know, like, like survive on that diet. But I think, you know, some people are, it's going to cause some very significant health problems. And it's kind of hard to blame them when the, the, the studies are out there showing that, that they, that, that that's just what they were told was food from the time they were zero to eight years old. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it, it, you know, being, being raised like that, being, uh, you know, exposed to the, the, you know, the commercials on television that kind of pounds the idea in your head that, oh, this is the food you, you should eat. It's fun food too. It's fun. Right. Right. Cheerios fun, are fun, yeah. fun. Right. I mean, that's another yeah. thing is that, you know, like I was in a situation going to some cafeteria where it's like basically an all you can eat cafeteria. And I know I'm not supposed to eat Cheerios, but man, I cannot. I, I, I it's there. It's fun. Why would I not eat Cheerios? Well, yeah, because you're not a guy that doesn't like to have fun. So you right, know, I yeah. like to have fun. Right, yeah, pop tarts and Cheerios and right and uh, fun fun stuff to eat that makes you feel. See, I I don't, I don't know. I mean, I, I you know I, I I don't eat any of that kind of stuff because I mean to me, I mean I've I've kind of you know become aware of uh, all these issues and stuff with food. It's like yeah, I do notice that like if I eat something that I know is like just garbage. And it's like, man, I notice how I feel afterwards after I come down off the sugar high or whatever. I just feel like, like crap, you know, it's just, yeah. And if I eat, if I eat pop tarts or something like that, or donuts or which on occasion, you know, I've, I've you know, I, I, I don't eat hundred percent perfect by any means, but you know, on occasion, if I do have donuts or something for breakfast, it's like, that's not a good breakfast. It's just doesn't, no, it's not, it doesn't, yeah, it's just, yeah, it makes you you get there's off that nothing, sugar rush and it's like and I used to do that too when I was I I think back to you know like and I had a hard physical job when I was in my twenties and then that was my breakfast I would stop at a Dunkin' Donuts and eat two sugar raised donuts and a cup of coffee that's what I that was my breakfast yeah and you didn't think nothing of it like well right. of course it's convenient and then it 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 all kind of goes hand in hand with the the kind of hurried lifestyle that a lot of people, you know, they got, they got to kind of rush to work, rush to pick up the kids, rush to get home. And every, everything is just kind of by the seat of your pants. And it's all, 
it's all like a, uh, on a tight schedule. And then it's like, man, you know, I, I don't, I, and then the more of the crap food you eat, the kind of more kind of generally sluggish you are, you don't feel like doing a whole lot when you get off work. And then it's like, oh yeah. So what, what are, what are we going to do for dinner? It's like, oh, well, something easy. Cause I certainly don't feel like preparing anything. Cause I feel like kind of worn down and, and, and so, yeah, just, uh, yeah, order, order a pizza or pizza, pizza right. or, or something quick and easy. That's already maybe just pick something up at the, at the taco house and just whatever, you know, just as long as you don't have to have to do all that food prep and all that. Cause yeah, I, I remember I, I would do that a lot. I mean, just, just from just working full time, it just takes some days. It just takes a lot out of you where you're just like, Oh man, I just want to go. It does. Home no, right. Just it, kick back. It, I don't want to do anything. I don't, yeah. If it's especially, I mean, most, and I would say most people don't like their jobs and most people are, I mean, that's what, and again, with this government thing, you know, like a lot of it does come down, you know, like your experience, your actual experience of government is basically in the workplace and, you know, like with uh, work rules and, and, you know, like, I, and, and, uh, uh, wage laws and, and so forth. And I, uh, yeah, and it, it's hard, and and I know it's like to eight hours a day of a job that you don't like to do. When you come home, you you that's you're done. You you just want to do whatever it takes to to relax, and you they they really it's very draining. And I think a, I you know my theory is a lot of that is um uh less physical and more psychological. I think if you're Working a job that, you know, like you're just working for some corporation for minimum wage. Um, I, I think that's and you're clearly being exploited and you have no choice. Uh, that is a very demoralizing situation um, where you could do the same labor basically for free and it would actually give you energy. Uh, I'm not talking about for the long term, I guess, but. You know, I, I just like that sense of meaningful labor and, and, and meaningful participation uh, is. Um, uh, and, you know, it's so aggravating the way that now, you know, like employers recognize that employers like Walmart recognize that. And then they call their employers associates. It's just it's so aggravating. You know, they use that kind of language it's typical throughout the capitalist world where. You know, they're using this uh, very flowery language to to uh, uh, cover up a, what's actually a very brutal and unfair practice. Well, it, it'll get all straightened out once uh, we get the um, modern monitoring, monitoring devices. Right. And then, like, if you pull into, like, um, a KFC or something, like, on your on your smartwatch, like a little notice will come up, maybe like a little uh, character or something, like waving their finger at you, like, ah, 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 ah. <laughs> something like that. That would be, well, be fun, wouldn't it? Like, I, I never, you know. It's like Jurassic movie. Park. The Jurassic Park movie, remember? Ah, 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 ah. Yeah, yeah. They could, really? Yeah, they need that and all, and every, every, they, people... 
need something like that. Yeah, like a like a little warning. Like, it, it, of course, it'd be like a friendly, fun little. Sure, it has to, it has to be Newman, you know, like Newman from Seinfeld. Ah, ah, ah. No, you could yeah customize it to make it make it Newman or make it uh, maybe make it Ron Paul if you're a libertarian type that doesn't like to be controlled <laughs> by the government. Ron Paul can come on your smartwatch and say. Give you like a little speech about how you shouldn't uh, maybe eat, have uh, you know, uh, chocolate cake for breakfast or whatever you're you're fixing to do. You know, I, yeah, I think it's nothing scary about it. It all sounds like fun, and uh, yeah, why, why, why not, right? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I think I'll Technology's have. Uh, wonderful, isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, or maybe Greg, you maybe want like Lysander Spooner to come on your watch and or something like that, or, or you know, you can customize it. Donald Trump. It's or, all customizable. Donald Trump comes on and says, "I think what you're doing is fantastic. It's great. We're having a spectacular time. It's tremendous. It's a tremendous, tremendous thing you're doing here. But stop. You're getting too fat." <laughs> I think it would be a tremendous, Greg, if you got the uh, extra, you got the two helpings of coleslaw instead of that uh, <laughs> Trito or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, and that, well, another thing know. they brought up in that video is that in, in, that's what I see, that, uh, like, uh, um, at the, you know, whatever the workplace I'm in now, uh, you know, it's like they've got these vending machines. I can go out there to that vending machine. And there's nothing in that thing that any human being should eat, right? There's nothing, and 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 nothing that they should drink either, right? Yeah, and, these and, same corporations that'll have you wearing the tracking device will also have yeah. like vending machines in the lobby, just ram packed full of just garbage, like right. burritos and donuts and shit. You know, like oh yeah, you can have that to, for your lunch, but yeah, be sure we want you to be healthy. And then soda machines, of course, in the in the work environment they always had those everywhere i've worked like damn soda machine in the uh in the lounge you know well sure remember the the uh the members of the board of directors they're all on the boards of uh the uh dunkin donuts and the other big cross uh cross-border directorships there but at the same time they yeah. love us and want us to be healthy <laughs> and uh, yeah it makes so much sense it yeah, they got these damn junk machines in schools. I remember oh, yeah. they had, yeah. like, uh, you go to the junk machine and you get, like, just some garbage to eat for lunch. Like, I'd see, I remember that when I was when I was in school, I was, like, in the 80s. That's how old I am. Like, uh, they would have these machines and, like, everybody would be standing around, like, maybe eating a candy bar, get those, uh, what do they have? What the hell are the... Uh, Oh, uh, yeah, Grandma's Cookies. You remember that shit? Or it's like in a package and it's just like two cookies in there. You eat those. It's just, it's just, yeah, if you think you're getting any nutrition out of that, you're, you're, man. You're kidding you're, yourself. You're, yeah, wow, absolutely that, diluted. The, the hot lunches, what they used to be, uh, just canned, uh, you know, all the canned stuff from the, you know, like hot dogs, or they they'd have uh, chicken chow mein all like out of the can. 
Yeah, like institutional grub. uh, They say, too, that's the bottom of the barrel crap, like uh, these food companies and stuff. I don't know. I don't want to... Maybe it is like stuff they sweep off the floor. I don't know. Like just, just they say it's like the low grade stuff that they give to these institutions. They just can it up in big cans. And that's what goes out to schools and goes out to prisons. Same, same, same slop that goes to the prisons goes to schools. And uh, yeah, that's what they feed the feed the youngsters in our scientifically advanced, progressive, modernist society. But just it's food culture, food culture in general in America is like it's not just that. And so they start you off like that, and and now you know, like, and I think you know, part of the problem. I, I mean, this is a complicated issue, and we're just you know talking about you know like obesity and you know like just health or whatever. But this is a huge issue, food, and uh, it, it is uh, you know like my big thing is uh, you know uh, well. Uh, hot vegetables, right? Uh, hot vegetables and, and high quality meat, right? If I could just get, uh, uh, you know, like, uh, uh, mashed potatoes, like real mashed potatoes and, and real green beans and, uh, a nice piece of chicken, that would be, that would be pretty good. And they do have things like, uh, um, you know, like Boston Market, you know, seems to want to address that. But then every time you go into Boston market, there's like something kind of wrong with it at the same time. It's hard to put your finger on exactly what it is, but they, they don't really have these you know places where you can like set up, uh, you know, it's just hard to get into business like that. And, you know, not only is it, you know, like the, the paperwork and the financial uh, uh, issues uh, uh, daunting, are they daunting, but uh, you know, you're already competing with, I mean, I don't know what percentage of the American diet or the American like food market, uh, I'm not even talking about grocery stores, but just like talking about uh, going, you know, going out to eat is our places like uh, McDonald's and Wendy's. I would, I would venture that it's uh, whatever, 30, 30% or more. And then in, uh, in, in New York city, you know, where there's, there used to be all these great um, uh, diners. Uh, and I, I personally like the cafeteria style. I used to go to a place in, uh, uh, Tennessee called Piccadilly, and there's a in Texas they they have a Luby's. You might have that in Oklahoma, uh, and uh, you know where th- th- that's kind of like uh, to, to my way of thinking. That's a good you know as far as American food goes. As long as those those ingredients out there are fresh, that's a really good way to eat. And uh, and those are all uh, uh, supplanted now by um, these salad bars, which look you know. They look scientific and they look modern. It's like, wow, you have all this choice. But if you really look at what you're being given, uh, it, it's not that it's not that good. Well, you got to keep in mind, if you're going to eat out, one rule of thumb is to don't eat out unless the owner of the establishment is there all the time, which mm, precludes yeah. anything that's corporate, anything that's – you have to realize that, you know – Healthcare has been financialized, meaning that, you know, they wanted to drive people into poor health to financialize the medical industry. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I believe that. Yeah. You have yeah, to realize yeah. that they, what they have done is they've bonded. They say, we need to have so many people going through the hospital medical system every year. Uh-huh. Those hospital medical systems have then, in turn, issued bonds. Okay, against those patients, 
and drawn that money from the future forward. Uh-huh. Okay. And they're in cooperation and they're also, these are all, remember, all these companies have interlocking board of directors. Most of the companies are owned by the government itself through the pension funds, through the CAFRAs. The United States government owns about 70% of all the businesses around the world. Yeah, including China, Japan, all of these companies. I totally believe that. The same same people in China as in America. I will totally believe that. Absolutely. The number one investors for all these Chinese companies are the American pension funds. Pension Uh funds are all owned by the government. So they go in and say, we want you to do this. So like the hospitals need to make so much money. They need to have operating capital. So they bring money forward. And that's why medical care is so expensive. That's why they mandatory to pay for it, forcing everybody to do things rather rather than giving us all choice to be able to make decisions based on the things we want to do. They are trying to make us make choices and decisions on things we have to do. And I'll tell you what, that is not a way to live in. It's not a sustainable model. And it's beginning to fall apart completely on so many levels all around the world right now. It's uh, it's not just, quote, unquote, a conspiracy thing. Everybody around the world is aware of this, mm-hmm. and they're getting fed up with it. Yeah, they and have uh, – we talked about this before. Uh, hospitals will have like a McDonald's on the in- inside the hospital. Like, oh, yeah. You can yeah. get sure. your triple bypass surgery and then go down and get you a large fries and a Coke and a, and a triple Big Mac. And mm-hmm. – uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, yeah, I, 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 go ahead. They're all, no, in, I, they're all the states. Everybody's in serious same. trouble because if they don't keep more and more people getting sick, more and more people getting obese, then those financial instruments, those bonds are going to become non-performing. And guess what? A lot of people, a lot of these pension funds, the government itself is going to go broke faster. So, of course, <laughs> you know, they, they hate the idea that people are – that even think about, like, living a healthy lifestyle. They're going to do everything they can to corrupt that, even if it means corrupting the vitamin and health industry, which they've done to a great extent. Yeah, you know? and, I, and I, don't, I don't think that um, this was implemented, put in place with the financial – gain as being the primary driver. Now I know that that is the case. I, I'm, I'm certain of it that the hospitals, you know, they are, are, are uh, more than happy to have, you know, more sick people. Cause that, that equals, you know, money of course. But um, yeah, I, I think that that, that all this we're seeing out there is um, part, part of a, part of a, you know, a long, you know, long-term strategy that has something to do with what, what, what direction you know they want the the you know our our culture our society to go in it it it's it's you know the the I think the money incentive is um it, oh it's ninety percent Chris it's to carry out these programs which is you know of course depopulation all, the, all and, the hospitals out there across the United States around the world now have all become part of hospital corporations if you look at any hospital hospital in your community it's no longer independently owned it's now part of a mega hospital corporation 
And the very existence of these hospitals has all been bonded. And so they need to have an ever-growing number of sick people in order to support that financialization of these institutions. It's just, it's never going to get, it's, it's always about perpetual growth, never about sustainability. So eventually it comes to the point where they're going to, you know, literally make 90% of the world, uh, deathly ill just so that they can support these, uh, these hospital corporations. Yeah. A war. And it's, yeah. it's this all goes to, to what, when I talk about the, uh, the yin war and the yang war and, and yang war is, is no longer possible. Uh, basically after Vietnam, we're not going to have like a World War II type war. It's just not with the, the way that the technology of metal and, and information technology and so forth have developed. I, I just don't think it's, it's possible or desirable would, to any of these. I would agree with and, that, Paul, except that the problem is, is that right now we have a problem where commerce around the world is stuck. And the only the purpose of war is to get commerce unstuck. That's the only purpose of it. And because commerce gets stuck when you when you uh, are in an environment of overcapacity, where production has exceeded demand, and then all of a sudden you start getting surpluses, where there's an abundance of commodities: oil, steel, you know, iron ore, copper, timber. There's so much of it out there. There's so much of it in mass produced that the demand doesn't meet the supply. So the only way you're going to get the prices back up to create, to prevent a deflation cycle is you got to blow it up. It'll blow it up real good. And that's what war does. So we're probably heading into this next cycle of this war, which is going to go super hot. I would say probably by March of next year, sometime in 2017. Wow. You got to probably, oh, yeah, yeah. Put it in the book. I believe it's going to be the case because right now, I mean, world the world trade right now, commerce, uh, Baltic dry shipping, uh, it's it's flat. I mean, there's it hasn't been this bad ever in the recorded history of mankind. So there is just an, a massive amount of surplus. You, have, you know how much oil is sitting out in barges and tankers just sitting there out in the ocean. A hundred million barrels just sitting in ships, nowhere to go. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> There's billions of tons of store of of steel, rebar, steel, all this stuff just sitting in warehousing, and there, there's scrap metal galore. The demand for the demand is just not there any longer because we've reached the end of this financialized cycle. It's coming to its maximum, reaching its maximum limit. And what's following it is going to be a massive depression. And the powers to be are very well aware of this. So they're going to try and milk this for everything they can before that inevitable decision comes where they say, well, there's nothing left for us to do but to get rid of all the surplus. And that's surplus commodities, surplus labor, that's human beings, surplus production. It's all going to go bye-bye. And then they'll reset the system and all the bad debts will evaporate with – they'll start a new central banking system and all the bad debts will be evaporated away. And then we'll have another 70 years of boom. Oh, like um, kind of like a, 
a corporation or a business will do like a liquidation sale where they're kind of just getting all their excess inventory out and doing all that and kind of streamlining and yeah, you know, I, maybe that's uh, maybe that's you, the case. Who knows? You, you can't know. you can't make money when you have surplus of anything. Money is only made when there's when there's shortages, scarcity, because that supports price structures. As soon as there's an abundance of too much of everything, everything drops down in price. Yeah, and what is it? Uh, what what's responsible? There's all the production that's coming out of China, or all the production that's coming out of just all these different, uh, all these yes. different countries that are now in the business of you know Mexico has got a pretty big uh, industrial base there. Uh, different different. Uh, even South America, I think there's quite a bit of industry there. Um, all all different spots in the world. And, uh, yeah, there's only so much. I mean, you know, I talk about this a lot with, you know, because, um, you know, there's now this. Uh, I, I was going to go into this a bit. Maybe y'all want to talk about uh, vegetarianism. It, it, all right. Know, Let's talk about you know, it. <laughs> whether that is like the way to go. I mean, you. you now, like, um, there's this, uh, uh, well, there's a, a book by Alvin Toffler. He wrote that book, The Third Wave. And then in this uh, previous, he, he, he put out a, uh, uh, some, some article, a publication called, um, Eco, Eco, uh, shit. It just slips my mind. I don't, I, well, anyway, in that he says, "Oh, you know, he foresees." And this is back in 1977. He said that the, he foresees uh, a religious movement in the United States and in, in America that will uh, focus in on, you know, vegetarianism, and that will take the, uh, you know, the the that you know that he foresees that happening as, um, you know, a positive development to to get people off of beef and all the. Uh, all the impact that that and has so, on the environment. And that's the reason Americans are fat. Too much, too much meat. Yeah, Another too much theory, meat. Theory number 272. Too much meat. Yeah, it's making people fat. And it's really, really, it's, it's really the meat. That's because that's what they'll, that's what they're, hey, you hear that a lot. It's like, oh, it's the meat and the hamburgers that's making people fat. And it's meat. And, and I don't believe that's true at all. No, no, no evidence that's that. true at all. <laughs> no, no, it's not true. I mean, it's not like, uh, yeah, what kind of, uh, or, you know, is, is, is it the meat or is it the bun? Is it the, all the other crap, the Coke and stuff that goes with it? I think it's the, the culprit is in the, in the, uh, denatured French fries and the, and the big giant Coke that people You want to know what it is? It's petrochemical. Petrochemicals are added to virtually all processed foods. Wow. Yeah, I mentioned that the, are these artificial oils and, Stuff yes. additives in the food. Yeah, petrochemicals. Those are that's, what that's they. Great. Those are plasticides. Okay, so that when you ingest them, and it really started back in the late '60s when they created margarine, which is which is a petroleum-based product. And when you ingest that, your body has no idea what that is. So when you when you ingest something that your body cannot process. What it does, it will, because it dissolves it into your bloodstream. Your bloodstream then will then wrap it in an excitotoxin, 
and send it off to be stored in a fat cell to be processed later. Because your body's nothing more than just a processing, like a computer processing machine. Mm-hmm. You know? So as you consume more and more of this over time, your body just continually stores more and more of it as fat. And it's the, they claim that now there is a problem with the meat in the fact that they add all sorts of hormones and you're not getting just like a natural, uh, you know, holistic piece of meat, especially when right. you buy, when you eat at a fast food restaurant, it's filled with fillers and chemicals and all sorts of additives. But if you would just eat natural meat, right, something that from farm raised cows, not corporate raised, but real farm raised cows, mm-hmm. you can eat as much of that as you want. You won't gain a pound. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I, you know, it's like, okay, so it's really the meat that's and the dairy products, uh, from that's what's making people obese. That's what make, that's what they say is making people sick. And that's what they want to put the blame on. So if that's the case, then if you look at the Inuit cultures and, in, and in, up, up around Alaska and that area, so they, so you should be able to do some studies on them. And since their native diet consists mainly of animal fat, they don't they don't really have a lot of uh, vegetables in their diet traditionally. And I'm talking about their traditional diet. I'm not talking about the the the, the westernized diets that they're that, that they're on now. So you you should be able to take um, or any any so-called primitive culture that mainly subsists off you know hunting and stuff like that, where they're eating a lot of meat. That's like the main staple of the diet. So they should have a lot of uh, heart disease, a lot of uh, hardened arteries, a lot of uh, cholesterol problems. But that that is that the case? You think? I don't. I don't no, they they're amongst that's the healthiest. Not the case at all. They're the healthiest people. They have very long lifespans. They have yeah, most, and most Eskimos teeth. can live. Yeah, they live up to a hundred very easily. Uh, yeah, so yeah. that's. Totally flies in the face of that, and then there's that Weston A. Price stuff, which I I, I tend to yeah. uh, agree with. The uh, I, I think that's that's um, really what you observe when you study these uh, so-called primitive cultures. Like, oh yeah, they're way healthier. I mean, bone structure and everything than than the Western uh, you know people that are raised on the Western denatured processed food diets obviously i mean come on it it doesn't take a freaking genius to figure that out but you know but no the culprit is meat the meat's bad so i mean that's that's totally agenda driven uh (laughs) just garbage that people are just they just latch on to it though this is oh yeah it's meat meat's killing everybody you gotta stay away from it it makes sense well they knew back in the 70s that they were gonna have to drive more people into poor health to support the financialization of the medical system. So, yeah, they, of course, they want people to go vegetarian. Of course, they want people to have these wacky, you know, diets because the more you, the, the more you do that, the, the, the less healthy you're going to be and the sooner you're going to get into the system. But it's hard to know, you know, like, you know, on a personal level, oh, I, I'm going to eat this, I'm not going to eat that. Partially because it's just like, you know, there is a, a, a force of everybody else is doing it. So, you know, like this is just what people eat. And then it's also hard to know that, I mean, I've had that experience in my own life. I don't really, I mean, now I don't, I don't feel that much different. I, you know, I was just talking about how I'm, I don't, I haven't drank Coke for about a year. I was drinking a Coke every day. And, uh, 
I don't feel that much different uh, uh, not drinking a Coke. I don't feel it. Um, but, you know, like I'm just doing it because, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's uh, uh, was having some um, uh, negative uh, health effects. And, Were you drinking uh, like a can of Coke or? I was drinking a can of Coke with dinner. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I yeah, see, I, I don't. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're talking about probably an amount. I mean, are you are are you like a sort of average size individual? Like you're not. Yeah. Um, you, yeah. yeah. So you weigh you weigh you weigh around like around two hundred pounds. Maybe about two hundred pounds. That's right. I'm about six feet, two hundred pounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that probably is not a whole lot of sugar well, water you're taking in, you know, as far as that's someone what, your size. That's what you think, but I do think that it has, I, and I think some people with all this stuff, just like we're talking about the, about the obesity, I think for some people, and, and this goes into issues like alcoholism as well, where, you know, like there's, there's a line for that, that some people can cross and some people can't. So, um, you know, like, in yeah, a, in yeah, everybody's my, different. my yeah. theory, just on a, on a, on a, on a personal level now is it, and the reason I stopped drinking Coke is because I was having some um, significant dental problems, as I've related before. I was down in Tijuana uh, to get that taken care of. Uh, speaking of the uh, U.S. medical industry, and uh, uh, that's another subject. But, uh, uh, you know, like, I, it's my theory that, um, that even that, that amount, um, uh, uh, for me personally, was uh, – uh, having um, uh, deleterious effects on my teeth over time, right? I mean, I didn't really have yeah. to. It wasn't like you know, like something that happened right away. But I, but I felt like, and, and but again, with all this nutrition stuff, I can't prove that. I, I it might not have anything to do with it. Maybe I should have a coke right now, for all I know. But you know, like it seems logical, and I have to kind of go with okay. I you know. I, Especially since I'm like showing up in Mexico with severe dental problems, I have to at least you know have some peace of mind uh, that I'm doing everything I can do. Yeah, probably no no Coke is the best way. No no uh, soda pop. I mean, I get uh, soda pop at the uh, grocery store, but then it's like the stuff that's made with actual cane sugar and stuff like right. that it's kind of the well, like the, mexican coke that's that's become a thing yeah, now it's not the kind of high fruit i don't get into any of the high fructose corn syrup crap but i i'm not necessarily think that that's great for you as far as, but then it's probably not as bad i mean we're talking about i think you know i think the i think that the real culprit is all this artificial synthesized overproduced stuff and then like greg's talking about these uh petrochemicals in food i mean right that's probably not good and i don't think you have to be that smart to figure that out that petrochemicals maybe aren't a good thing to like ingest at yeah, all they make up let alone on a regular basis they make up a lot of your food preservatives and your food dyes okay and things like that so i mean you buy like pickles and you'll see there'll be like uh, I forgot the name of it, but it's something number seven. That's a, that's a petrochemical. That's so that the pickles look sort of that greenish color in the jar. Green, right? So what you do is you just you know you look for the items that don't have don't have those chemicals. The problem is what they've done is they've set up a two tier food system now. 
where mm. now if you're going to eat healthy, untainted, unchemicalized food, you can go to places like Trader Joe's or Walmart, Whole Foods, not Walmart, excuse me, Whole Foods, and you're going to pay the real price, okay, because, I mean, you're going to spend three, four, five times more for your food if you eat something that 35, 40 years ago was common on everyday shelves on grocery stores all over the country. Yeah, and I've talked about that before, how that's actually reflective of the true price of things. You know, we got, you know, cheap manufacturing on every level, like on food, on products and stuff like that. You could buy cheap crap and you could buy it incredibly cheap and you can buy it in abundance. But then, like, you see the real price of things when you go to try to get, like, um, let's say, for instance, a, a cordless drill that you're going to have to use on a regular basis and it needs to be... Uh, a certain build quality up to a certain standard, and then it's going to have to be reflective of an actual, uh, you know, well-made uh, tool that can actually be used on a regular basis. And then you're going to pay, you know, four or five times the amount of what you can go buy as kind of a hobbyist thing that where you're going to be using it occasionally. That 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 that, and then uh, thing with thing with food is that it's that, yeah, you can buy a lot of the cheap garbage, denatured. Um, refined stuff you know really cheap because they just mass produce the, the the you know that that just and then they science uh, the shit out of it science there good perfect yeah the science the shit out of it uh petrochemicalize it and everything else and it's super cheap to produce and and then yeah you could get that you know bargain basement prices but see that's not that that is um i i think just illustrates how artificial our economy is right now it's like it's propped up by the by this um it, where you have this uh overemphasis on cheap production quality and uh yeah but yeah you see the real prices stuff when you go out and try to buy something that's act, that has some quality to it or has like food that actually has nutrition in it. i pay at whole foods i pay for uh Unpasteurized honey, uh, at whatever fifteen, uh, it was thirteen dollars, probably fifteen dollars with tax. You know, just not a not a particularly big jar of it, but you know, just just like somebody putting honey in the jar um, uh, Raw without honey, any right? kind of processing. Mm-hmm. So I, I I shop at the health food store, and that's where you know, and I've and I make it a point to like really. Um, eliminate like anything that's even looks processed, you know, to get it down to the minimum where I'm not eating kind of pro any, you know, I, I have tortillas and I don't eat bread, but then the, you know, tortillas are supposedly, you know, quote unquote organic or whatever. But, um, then I do the, the juicing, you know, where I, I, I put the, the vegetables and then I, you know, try to get organic and I try to do all that. But the thing about it is, I mean, with, from my experience anyway, is that, I, I'm not eating all the time. I'm not hungry all the time. It's like when I when I would when I used to eat fast food and when I used to eat you know just the the, the TV dinners and all that uh, and all the garbage food. It's like yeah, I was eating all the time. I was hungry all the time. And it's like that that turns into expense. So really, when you when you look at it from that perspective, where like I could go and I could mix up something in the blender and I could drink it for a meal. 
And then it's like, sometimes, man, I don't even feel like eating dinner. I'm just like, I'm good to go for the rest of the day. Sometimes I'll like, I get around dinner time and I'll eat a sandwich or something. And then, you know, I, it, you know, I, like I said, I always, you know, I, I get everything from the health food store and it's, you know, got the organic label on it. I, I pay the higher price, but I'm not eating as much. I feel better. And, and I think there's that, that aspect of eating food that actually has nutrition in it. Because if you're looking at things, you're purchasing, you're making your purchasing decisions based on the value you get from that product. So food, certainly you want something that's got nutrition in it. And if you it do. has nutrition in it, you're going to get satisfied quicker. You're not going to be eating as much. You're not going to be having to run up and jump, go into the kitchen and, and grab that bag of Doritos because you're like craving junk food all the time. And then like, oh, so this has just empty calories. So it's basically just you, you threw, you know, however much, four bucks down the toilet for the bag of Doritos because you're not getting anything out of it. It's, well, it's just not even you on that cycle. It's not even the it's not even the four bucks. I remember hearing I listened to um, uh, um, uh, Robert Scott Bell, and uh, one of the things I've probably mentioned this before, but you, you know, like then, just like with everything, there's probably problems with Robert Scott Bell, but I, I do think he has some 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 good things to say, and uh, you know, like he is a, a advocate of a medical um, medical marijuana. And uh, uh, you know, like some guy wrote into him, you know, like and his his comment was, is that you know, like like it's not that it's not the marijuana that's killing you. It's those Doritos. So it's not only like not giving you any calories. I mean, I think that that these you know for reasons that we're talking about, that's implicated, and it's like not uh, it's actually you know uh, harmful to your health. And I think that that um, a lot of that kind of eating, which I certainly um, you know like as again you know like that's just what. You know, I grew up in Tennessee and, and, you know, like this is what people did is they, you know, like ate you know, Doritos and pretzels and whatever else. And, you know, like kind of throughout the day and, you know, there's all these vending machines and everything else. And uh, um, I, I think it amounts to a, um, a, a kind of addiction. Right. You're not it's not because you're hungry, but it's just like you just have this kind of, a, a, you know, a, you know, uncontrollable urge to 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 snack because it's fun. Yeah, it's like an entertain. It kind of goes hand yeah, in hand with cheap entertainment yeah, and the cheap yeah, food, yeah. and then the food is kind of like a. It, it, it's it's not nutritious. It's more of a uh, yeah, like a like a entertainment thing, like something you do to kind of pacify yourself or uh, to get, give give yourself like a treat, and then yeah, it's like now what what value is there in that food? What value are you getting for your money? It's like that's. You know, especially when it's creating health problems for you, and then That's like the you're talking about, part. you drink sure. that Coke. Like you can get that. I mean, I don't care Coke about the four dollars, but I care about the health problems. Yeah. But how much did it cost you to run down the dentist? Now, <laughs> yeah, yeah, do you add to that to the price Coke. of the Coke later? Or do you yeah. keep that separate in your mind and that's like, okay, that's a separate cost. But no, that's the cost of the Coke. It's yeah. like it doesn't come immediately at the store. It comes down the road. It's like all these people that are like, uh, that's why, okay, you know, we got all this, you know, healthcare and all this stuff. And it's like, and then there's people in all kinds of different uh, income ranges and stuff like that, that, but still even like people that get on some kind of medical assistance or something like that, they got to pay these co-pays. They got to pay co-pays for these drugs and all this stuff. And that, that, that shit adds up. And you always hear people complaining about how much all that shit costs. And it's like, 
Well, no, you you don't understand. That's your grocery bill. That's that's it. Just got delayed and deferred, and now it's coming, and now you got to pay that. But it's in the form of your medical costs, and so you go to the medical industry, and they get you on that treadmill. But it's like it, it, But you know, people don't think in those terms. It's like, yeah, well, you know, you could take, you could have took that money at, from the beginning and started started investing in it toward better food, and then you wouldn't be in that position. But it's, it's, nobody thinks that way. It's always kind of this. Everything is sort of like the short term gratification and just doing just kind of living in the moment, kind of living hand to mouth and kind of doing what's what, what is the good idea at the time in the moment and making decisions based on that. But hell, you're going to pay for it. And it may not be like uh, now it's kind of like a deferred payment program where like, yeah, you get to eat the cheap grub and the junk food. But, uh, you know, when your kidneys blow out or whatever. You got to go to that dialysis and you get, and then, you know, you complain about the co-pays and the, and then the expense of the gasoline going down there. And then plus, you know, your, your kidney's blown out. So that's no good. Uh, you know, that's, that's the bill. That's your grocery bill. That's the, that's, that's the bill for the Doritos and the Dunkin' Donuts and the little Debbie snack cakes and the, uh, all that good cheap food that you enjoyed for so long. It's like, oh yeah, now the, now here's the, Here's the rest of the bill. I give a little testimonial about something here. Yeah. I, uh, over the last four years, I've lost over 75 pounds. Just by, I mean, when I was working in investment banking in New York City, Mm -hmm. when you work in New York City, you know, you're walking around 10 miles a day, just catching buses and cabs and, you know, getting around and about, getting to and from and in from home and into the city and back and forth. And uh, when I left work in New York, my diet didn't change and I wasn't eating a healthy diet. I was eating fast food and everything. And I just packed on weight like crazy. But a few years ago, I decided, okay, let me, uh, let me uh, change things up. And I just cut out, um, well, I cut out pork. I don't eat pork at all. Anything with pork in it, I won't touch. Um, I'll re- eat uh, farm-raised uh, grass-fed beef and um, grass-fed or uh, organic chicken. You know, there's a farm store that's uh, – there's actually a chicken place that raises chickens not too far from me. I go there and get my chicken there. And I substituted potatoes and rice with chickpeas, which mm-hmm. is, uh, yeah. is a secret. Yeah. Chickpeas – are great because you know you buy them in the bag. Don't buy them in the can. You buy them in the bag. You soak them overnight and you cook them for a couple of hours. When you talk about snacks, you can put them out on a pan, throw some spices on them, and bake them until they get crispy. They're awesome. I mean, you could you can sauté them. You can you know they're a great substitute. I mean, that's definitely the other a starch food in India. Yeah, yeah, and it's yeah, you're not you can, yourself. Um, and, Okay, how expensive is rice? I mean, how expensive is, uh, even at the health food store, how expensive are dried beans at the health food store? Is it that, does it cost that much? I mean, okay, of course you gotta do the prep. But like, you know, like I got somebody coming at me in the chat with, not everybody can afford to shop at Whole Foods. Well, where the fuck do they get the money for the medical care? They get it somewhere, right? It's like, where do they get, where the hell do they get the money for, and I've seen people do this. It's like, 
Um, yeah, dude, how much are you paying for your uh, smartphone service? Oh, 300 a month. Three fucking hundred a month? You, you serious? And, and the same guy that goes, buys the cheap crap at the grocery store. It's like, okay, yeah, that's why you don't have the money. And then cable TV, got that yeah, too? Yeah, got that. And we got a, a uh, <laughs> and I got a, you know, brand new, uh, uh, you know, uh, vehicle that I'm making payments right. on, you know, uh, almost 200 a month. And then the insurance right. on that. And then the tag on that. You know, can everybody do it? No, not everybody can do it, but, um, people, there's all kinds of people that are buying the cheap shit at the grocery store, making themselves sick. And, you know, like I said, they got, they got their, you know, it, cell phones and all their other extraneous shit that are like now in our modern days necessities when they're not necessities. It's like shit, man. I would, but see, I don't have cable. I don't have cell phones. I don't have, I don't, I don't have, uh, even a quarter of the income that I used to have. I'll tell you that right now. I don't even have one fourth of the income that I used to make. And I still eat healthy. I still see, I prioritize. And that's the fucking people don't get that concept. They just, that fucking just goes right over the head. Oh, you, well, yeah, you prioritize. You put shit, well. you put certain things as a you, priority. And you then you can eat like healthy, if, but it's not expensive to eat healthy. Listen, like I was telling you, you could buy a bag of chickpeas, dried chickpeas. Okay, for a dollar ninety nine in the store, and that will last you all week long. Well, I wouldn't yeah, want. It depends, just it depends on what you buy at the health food store, too. I mean, yeah, if you go straight to the, you know, high dollar items, yeah, you're not going to be able to make your grocery bill stretch. But no, like but I'm I mean, saying you may have to do some food prep, like you're talking about, where you where you're making the you're making the chickpeas, you're making the. And the thing like that, it's, it's, it takes effort, but you know, of course people want to do that shit. They want to, you know, uh, complain about being sick, but it's like, well, you know, it's like there is a component of it where people have to be to some degree, a willing participant. Now I understand like shit, man. You know, when I made, I worked at a job, I made $8 an hour and man, it was, yeah, it was rough. It was hard. Just not even raising kids or anything. It was like, yeah, I didn't, I didn't eat, I didn't eat that good. I didn't. And it's like, yeah, you're just financially just in a, in a bind, barely making it. But yeah, it's like a lot, a lot of people aren't in that tight of a financial bind. And, uh, that, you know, they, they but, but see, it's, it's a lot of it comes down to like, what kind of decision, what kind of choices you want to make or where you want to put your priorities, you know, but, yeah, you'll come up with that money when your kidneys gone, when your kidneys blowed out. You know, you'll you'll get it somewhere. I mean, or die, or whatever the other. I mean, but see, people seem to find the the resources and the money for that when it comes down to the life or death decisions. You know, and then they mortgage their house, they do what they got to do, they cut the cell phones off, they get whatever it takes to to pay that damn clinic. But you know that that money comes from somewhere. That's what I'm saying. It's like, yeah, the, we're okay. The boom industry in this town is clinics, medical care facilities, they, this damn hospital. I don't know how I've been living here like the past uh, six, seven years, and they've they've been just in constant construction expanding this fucking hospital. And at the same time, all these new clinics are opening up all over this town. It's it's outrageous. It's totally ridiculous. It's like. Okay, what is keeping them going? Like, where is this damn money coming from? 
if everybody in this in this community in this it, it, um, is so uh, broke dick that they got to go to goddamn Walmart and buy white bread, is the only thing they where are they getting the fucking money to operate these damn clinics? It's coming from somewhere. It's all been it, financialized, like I said. Yeah, yeah, it's it's through the insurance schemes and all that stuff. But it's, you know, at right. the same time, people are paying shit tons of money out of pocket too, on top of what the insurance is paying, and one top on top of what because everybody has these deductibles, everybody has these copays, and they pay them. They pay this shit, and they pay you know every time they go to the they get their even if their medication is on Medicare or whatever, they pay the copay every time they go get it. They got to pay twenty, thirty bucks. To get this medication, because the medication cost is actually like, uh, because of the 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 obscene prices on it is like fifteen hundred dollars, and then then it's like okay, so you got to pay a a percentage copay, and that's like even the small percentage is 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 like forty, fifty, sixty dollars a month. A lot of times, it's like uh, okay, where is that money coming from? If, if well, you're that's so that broke, dick, you that can't wealth out of you. That's how they, That's how they're going to do it. <clears throat> I'm just saying, it's like, you know, there is this, uh, uh, yeah, it's just this mentality that, that, that people get into where, like, um, yeah, you get criticized too for trying to eat healthy. Like, oh, who do you think you are? It's like, well, yeah, I, I like my, I like having functioning kidneys and all that. I don't want to fuck them up with all this cheap crap garbage food. And I, I like feeling, good and so i don't know I, I put it as a priority so i guess i'm i'm a uh elitist prick but you know okay fine you're a heretic just, chris you're a heretic i know i i should just eat fucking bologna sandwiches and shut my yapper and and get a cell phone just like everybody else and and prioritize no it's, it's, in other words there's shit you can do to to get out i mean there's still at this point in the game uh, options and you make uh you make uh you know you, you vote with your pocketbook right when you go to the store to some degree or another i mean you you have some options but yeah i know it's hard to get used to the damn grocery bill when you go and you get like five little bags of groceries and you spent you know 150 bucks yeah, that's no. that is hard to take, you know, but it's like, well, you know, it's uh, it depends on what you buy too. well, how far are those groceries going to go? And I and I really honestly, I don't think that my grocery bill is that much different when I than when I was buying the crap, you know, years ago. It's like, should I remember groceries being quite a bit? And I remember the. At the checkout, the total would be pretty substantial. Even buying the un, the you know the process, the cheap, the, the, the you know the 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 junky, crappy food. So it's like I, I don't see that much of a difference in uh, in the price. And then it depends on what you buy, how much food prep you're going to do, and how much you're going to. Yeah, but <clears throat> I don't know. I don't. I don't. Uh, yeah, I don't well, I, uh, try I to convert people to, to it, though. I love to cook, so proof prep is, you know, and I would much rather know what I'm eating than eating out, not knowing. Even if you go to a fine restaurant these days, you're mm -hmm. still getting a, a large degree of processed food that's oh, yeah. 
over-processed that they're just labeling as oh, yeah. quality. And it's not. Yeah. I mean, really, it's the in, unless you make it yourself, anything that you don't make, uh, that you can't make yourself or th- that somebody has not actually made it the way you would make it, the best way to eat is just well, don't consume anything that you would that you would not or cannot make yourself, or has been made by somebody who knows what they're doing. That's why I don't go to restaurants that are I don't go to corporate franchise restaurants. Um, I if I go out to a restaurant, I want to go to where the owner is there. You know, and it, yeah, even then, it's not a perfect hundred percent, but at least I know somebody is there who cares that is going to want. You know, if there's a problem, they're going to address the problem, and you're going to get better satisfaction out of it. And especially if they've been there for a while and they have a good reputation and a good following, those those are the best places to go. As soon as they start cheapening their food quality, their food ingredients, uh, start going more processed, people just you know they go someplace else. A, a uh, an Applebee's is nothing more, nothing less than a glorified McDonald's. That's, That's right. That's the truth. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So, and I mean, like that, if that, you're that, used to eating like, I, I just call it real food or regular food. You know, uh, you you could definitely notice a difference. I mean, you go from that, and you're kind of used to eating that, and then you go eat some something like a fast food meal or something like that it just it just doesn't it's not as satisfying doesn't taste as good i and it's like am i gonna can you convince anybody of this or like you know it's like oh it's worth it's worth the extra money to nah nah it's like most people know it's like uh you know if um you know you're not gonna you're not gonna persuade anybody it's like it's like okay Oh, what is, what is what is an organic or organic grown um, you know squash or tomato? Well, here's the thing about it. I think that there's you know it, okay. Can you go to the farm and you? I guess I guess you can in a certain instances, but for the most case, you got you have to take the word that it's organic. Okay, so you have to you have to trust in the in whatever system. And there's you're a lot of legal that. shenanigans around that. Yeah, yeah, now. of course. But then I think oh, yeah. the, the concept of um, you're probably going to have better luck at a farmer's market or something where you can actually talk to the person that's doing the growing. Um, but but whatever the case, I mean, that what 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 I'm trying to get a hold of is like, a, you know, a veg- some vegetables that were grown in soil that's not that doesn't hasn't been bombarded with um, all these chemicals. And it's like, oh, you know, am I so worried about the chemical? Not so much just the chemicals, but the um, the 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 soil. Uh, I think it's important because I, I respect nature and I respect the you know the order of nature as it as it is, and that's that's what kind of drives me and makes these decisions. It's like there's all kinds of little critters in the ground that are working the soil. There's they call them nematode, nematodes and bacterias and all that stuff that are just down there churning and they're, and they're taking and they're breaking down the minerals and the dirt and they're turning them into nutrients and the, and the plants feed off that stuff and draw it up into the roots and the, and, and the good soil will make a healthy plant and the healthy plant will be resistant to naturally resistant to, um, you know, uh, invasive bug species and all that. And it's like, yeah, that's what I want 
because I respect nature and I respect that. I don't want to go get some uh, fucking product that's pulled out of some science lab concoction where they take and bombard the soil with all this crap and then they put artificial uh, nitrogen and stuff from artificial sources into the soil just to force stuff to grow out of it. And then you get something that's bland. It doesn't taste good. It, 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 it's, it's totally inferior in taste and everything to the, to something that was grown like in somebody's garden or something where they had real soil. It's just, it, it just totally makes sense to me. Like, like uh, all the labels and all the other shit I could, I could do without it. I think it's unfortunate that it, it has this, like a label slapped on it where it's it's actually all you're talking about is just real food that maybe has been grown with attention paid to that, those realities, you know, like you're talking about the uh, organic label that was to develop the, the, uh, the two tier food system, the label. It, it's just, yeah, it yeah. Creates it's a, it's the vehicle a to do scam that. operation. But obviously, My father used to be a farmer and he used to tell us, we always had gardens growing up. And he used to tell us the best farms are the ones where there's lots of chickens running around because nothing fertilizes the soil better than chickens. And they're scavengers, and they love bugs. So if you have a lot of chickens on a farm and you used to let them out in the fields, they'll eat up any invasive bugs that are trying to attack your plants. You mean you that's better than uh, – is that better than – uh, like a petroleum-based product. <laughs> I don't know, Greg. That's chickens are nature. Out there, chickens are the old farmer's way of like you didn't need fertilizer. Just let them go out there and poop in the field and eat the bugs. Yeah, and but you're not. Made them you're taste not better. Gonna, it made all your vegetables taste good. You're too. not gonna die if you eat a tomato that's grown out of the science gives you. It's a good <laughs> soil that's got the petroleum nitrogen. There, you're not gonna die. What do you think you're gonna die? It's like, it's like, oh, well. That's the hey, you can right. have it all you want. You can eat all you want. I mean, you're welcome to it. Anybody out there that's intent on it, hey, go ahead, man. You know, it's like that's hey, you trust in science more than nature and the creation and the what the cre- creator put in order. Then hey, yeah, go in and you know what's the oh, I didn't even give the quote. I had a quote that kind of followed suit with that, but uh. Yeah, you guys go ahead while I dig it up. Well, I can, uh, we're t- going to talk about veg- vegetarianism and I, I can, uh, just my personal experience. And I, you hear this all the time from people. I, I talk about this from time to time. Uh, but I, I was a, a fairly strict vegetarian for about two years. And, um, and again, I didn't, I, you know, maybe I have some kind of like insensitivity to food or whatever. I didn't feel that much different. It was just, you know, to me, it was like a, it's more of an ethical decision. I think it's that way for a lot of people. Um, you know, Why don't because you want to have a soda pop, Paul? Soda pop every once in a while is not going to kill you. It's not going to kill you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't know why you right. on well, this. That's why. That's what. That's the way I was thinking. Candy that's ass, thinking. Whole Foods, and shit. Yeah. No. That's right. That's right. Elitist. I'm an. I'm an elitist eater. Uh, so, uh, but with the, but, but, so I was a vegetarian for two years and, uh, um, I do feel like, and again, with all this stuff, it's really difficult to prove, um, you know, like, like causality and nutrition, uh, 
you know, there's a lot of studies that, that it, it's very difficult to design a study. There's all kinds of other things involved. But I do feel like that two years of vegetarianism did. I mean, that is one of the things that I, I feel like uh, uh, began my dental problems. And I, I, I felt, you know, it's my theory yeah, that that, uh, that that caused some significant uh, uh, skin and uh, dental problems. And so I stopped, but I didn't stop for that reason. I, I stopped. I, I'm not even sure why I, I started eating meat. It was like some, it felt like something like just deep inside. It's like, okay, this is the end. And who knows what me- mechanism that was, but I, I, but it lasted for two years and then done. Yeah. You probably got deficient in a lot of different things. And then it probably started off the process of breaking your teeth down and all that. Yeah. I, I hear that a lot. I mean, I don't, I've never did it. I've never did vegan thing, but uh, yeah, you hear all these stories about people that, oh yeah, I went vegan and then my teeth started rotting out and, and it's like, oh yeah, you're not getting all the, uh, oh, what all the amino acids and stuff, uh, meat, there's like, you know, dairy. I mean, I, so like, I think dairy products too are, you know, processed and denatured and stuff out there, you know, and then and they put the, uh, petrochemical oils and stuff in them that's that's no good but yeah, i think real actual cheese or i mean real cheese and then i mean real cheese like just cheese that's not all it got all that processing don't you it's, it's good for you i don't it's, it's it's got nutrition in it and it's like well now have you looked into the bulletproof diet uh yeah i've they, heard of that i've looked i've looked into it some not much he says no cheese he says no cheese and no beans no so, cheese and no beans. Yeah, I, uh, yeah. Well, I don't. It's I don't weird. pay a whole lot of attention to like a lot of that stuff. I, I just, I just think of. Uh, I don't know. Like I said, I think I think a lot of that uh, information that like you know Weston Price is you know just and, and it's real straightforward on that stuff. There's nothing uh, any kind of uh, invoking a lot of uh, different things like you get into people that are. Oh, they're a health nutrition expert, and no, he, you don't eat this, and here you don't eat cheese, and here's why. It's like, well, it's, see, there's already been there's already been these studies done, or it's just simple observations of of like, um, oh, who was the 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 people that subsisted mainly off uh, their herd animals? So they were just pr- pretty simple lifestyle, and then they had um, uh, you know their 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 cows that they raised, and then you know they. They, they, you know, occasionally ate, they ate a lot of meat, but they ate a lot of dairy and they had, had, uh, like, uh, uh, kefir and stuff like that. And, uh, mm-hmm. he said, yeah, they were very healthy. Uh, no dental caries, no, uh, it, it absolutely fantastic bone structure and it's extremely healthy. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, it, but okay. Yeah. Mainly dairy and milk and cheese and stuff like that was featured heavily in their diet so uh yeah i think that's true uh, you know the same thing with like what is it what are the eskimos eating like whale blubber all the time like one of their yeah. main staples it's like whale blubber it that will just absolutely clog up your arteries won't it? it's like no right. nope it doesn't it's uh whale it's, blubber's uh, good I've, ha- I've had whale blubber it's actually not bad no i've, I've never eaten it but uh yeah so you've you've eaten you've eaten what, just straight up whale blubber. Just is that how they? Yeah, eat it? yeah. They well, you know, you know, you can you can heat it up and it 
turns into like Crisco and a lard and frying it. It makes like really great like French fries, stuff like that. I had oh, it when wow. I was up yeah. in Canada. Like people up there, you know, nomadic people up there, eat, you know, eat it a lot. Hmm. It's kind of like a del. It's you know, it's pretty expensive when you're down in southern Canada. But I've had it when I was up in uh, when I was up in Edmonton. So it's uh, it's actually not bad. Well, yeah, it's, it's uh, seems to um, be be fine for mainly to subsist off like animal fat and stuff like that. As far as the uh, Eskimo cultures go, yeah, I mean. So do well, they have diabetes? Do they have do they have diabetes and heart disease? Like no, not, all the older not people until, were not until like the Western food or you know the processed food was starting to get shipped up there. Yeah, and it's, it's just part. so damn obvious. A lot of this stuff, it's like yeah. As soon as they introduce the Western diet, they they started getting diabetes. They started getting uh, obesity issues and. Uh, uh, then it's what another thing that's interesting, and they say is that alcoholism wasn't an issue until the Western diet was introduced, and then like alcoholism started becoming a, a, a thing. It's like it goes hand to hand, hand in hand with these processed food, which which makes sense when you when you understand about how a lot of processed food like it, it turns into sugars, and like alcohol is what like a, it does the same thing or something like that. So it's kind of like this. Sure. Makes you a, a, a you know, prone to those sort of dependencies and addictions, where you got this uh, sugar spike cycle that you're on, where you're eating a donut and then you're eating a bread uh, cake or stuff, stuff like that. And then, yeah, yeah, it, it, it it's pretty obvious to me. I don't think there's a lot of stuff to know about nutrition other than stay away from processed crap as much as you can, you know. It's you know what it freaks a lot of people out when I tell them all too that you know uh, tobacco is healthy. Yeah, nicotine is an nicotine is actually a uh, anti carcinogen, and well, it wasn't until the nineteen put in the cigarettes. Yeah, right. it wasn't until yeah, the nineteen thirties. Japan understands. Japan understands that they have like a whole institute that's set up to study that and all that. They 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 already understand. See. But you have over here where people associate smoking cigarettes with, uh, like, Marlboros. The Marlboros are just absolutely jam-packed full of, like, how many chemicals? Like 3,000 chemicals. Who knows what? There's like a great Wikipedia article on, on additives to cigarettes. It just scrolled, like, 200 things that some of it you've heard of, like cinnamon. Half of it is just chemicals. And who knows what it is? And it was the in the yeah. 1930s when they started adding the chemicals to tobacco, which was done specifically to create the health crisis that we have today, you know, because that's when the, the you know, the, this has been going on for a long time, just incrementally. And they knew that by adding these chemicals to tobacco, that was going to create tremendous health problems, which would lead to huge windfalls for the medical industry. And Tobacco was the first because we were still a, we were still very much of a uh, agricultural society back then. Well, no, Greg, that's not a conspiracy because taking a product and adding a whole bunch of to it, uh, you know, going out and and sourcing all these different chemicals and adding to it makes the product cheaper. That you don't don't you know that the more stuff that you add to a product, the cheaper it makes to produce it. 
<laughs> Doesn't that make total sense to you? It does to everybody else. Yeah, the more well, that, that's how more they get, that's how dinking around you have to do it, the cheaper it gets. Huh? That's how they incrementalize everything in. It's it's in cost cutting efforts, of course, to try and fight inflation. Which is what they do. That's how it gets started. It's really an innocent process. Well, I don't understand. I I don't understand the concept of like this processed food. Like you go pull out of like a TV dinner out of the out of the cold case at the store, and you read the back of the. Have you looked? I I I invite everybody that's listening to this to do that next time they're in a grocery store. Like to look at the look at the ingredients list on the back of some of this stuff, just go through the frozen food aisle and pull it out. And there'll be a paragraph that covers the half of the box with all the shit that's in there. It's just like one thing after the other, after another, you know what I'm talking about? You've ever seen that? Like look, oh, yeah. look at that shit and read. I always read labels, but like, yeah. uh, and, and you think it's like, okay, what is all this stuff that they're putting in there? And it's like, okay, this is the cheap shit that you get. It's like, but it's got more, stuff in it it, to 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 make it whatever it is you know it's got it's got all this long endless list of stuff that's added to this and then somehow adding all this shit to it it's like okay where do you get all this stuff anyway where does it come from you got to source it somewhere and then that's got to be shipped in and then they got to pay for that each component of that so that that whole process of making processed food is actually cheaper. How is it cheaper when you got to add all this shit into the food? I, I don't. I really don't understand that. How does that make producing food cheaper to have uh, eight hundred ingredients instead of four ingredients? It's called financialization, Chris. The bank gives them concessions. They give them lines of credit to buy it. Right. The purpose uh-huh. is to create the so environment. It's, it's, it's subsidized then somehow. Uh, exactly. Just like all those farms are subsidized. Like that, that, yeah, there's, I mean, food and finance is definitely, I mean, yeah, it's a complicated relationship. Yeah, and I, I don't understand it. Well, it would seem like it would have to be. I, I mean, otherwise, that, that makes no damn sense because you have people say that all the time. Well, it's, yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's no conspiracy. It's just, you know, it's, it's cheaper to make food that way. And that's why they make it that way because it's, it's just they're worried about making money, and the way to make money is to make food cheaper. And oh, and, and then so I say, okay, wait, wait right there for a minute while you're on this line of discussion. So in order to make food cheaper, we have to add a shit more, a shit ton of more stuff to it, and that, and that makes it cheaper to make. That makes no damn sense. I don't know how that makes any sense. Well, Unless, like you, what you're you, saying, it's subsidized, and then, yeah, then it makes sense, but that's not... Then you're taking it outside that whole discussion altogether, the economics of making food cheaper. But then if you factor in that it's subsidized, then, yeah, you're adding some artificial <laughs> constraint in there that's totally throws the thing off. And then sure. it, it, and it's, somebody, not, it's not in order a matter to get, of economics. In order to get the loan and line of the credit from the bank, the agriculture company has to, uh, you know, has to use a certain amount of these ingredients because – you know, there's another guy on the other end who's getting a big contract to produce it. He's getting a line of credit, and everybody's production is being bonded out for the future. It's the problems and, being kicked, the cans being kicked down the road. And so, I get just to expand on what you're saying there. Um, it 
seems as if the ultimately the reason for this financial incentivization is to um, uh, get uh, substances that are not that are known to be not healthy, it's pointedly to get them out into the, into the food stream in order to, um, uh, uh, subsidize the hospital in, in, in order to financialize the hospital. Is that, is that what you're saying or is that going too oh, yeah, far? It's all, no, no, it's all interconnected because the guys who sit on the board of directors of the bank also sit on the board of directors of the petrochemical companies who sit on the board of directors of the hospitals. And they all got to get their little piece. Everybody's got to get their taste. So the food producer, hey, we will give you a substantial line of credit so you can buy your seed, your fertilizer, meet your payroll, pay your taxes, your, you know, everything that you need to do to stay afloat. Okay. Um, but we want you to buy a certain amount of this, you know, fertilizers and various things and they'll give you a good price. Yeah. Mm. Now they do give them a good price. They give them a good price until they've cornered the market, then the prices go up. And then they force the farmer into bankruptcy and then the big corporations come in and buy them up for pennies on the dollar and it just keeps multiplying. In the meantime, everything is being bonded, continually financialized over and over again until it reaches a maximum level where it can't be bonded anymore that's that's what we're approaching now because somebody has to pay the debt eventually and the debt won't be paid so blow it up and start over mm. that's mm. why i say get ready it's that's coming. why you it's, say next year next year world war three well i think we're already in world war three it just goes super hot it means that you know rather than it being isolated to brown people in the desert it's going to be it's going to be all over. It's going to, they're going to have to eliminate the excess labor in the United States, in Europe, in China. Uh, so they're probably looking at a war that will eliminate three to five billion people. Well, that's what you Ooh, know. That's Trump, a lot. sure. Tr- Trump, Trump kind of implies that you know, just you know, like that, that something bad, something evil is brewing. It's oh, like there's like something. They all know. Well, it's like every politician that's out there that I've ever heard anything coming out. It's like they're just total 100% warmongers. It's like they just can't wait to get a war kicked off. And then they all talk about, they all talk tough and what they're going to do to, you know, to, to, to get us and, you know, to, to start off a war or something. And that's all they're talking about is going to war. It's all they're talking about. They campaign on it. They talk about it all the time. People seem to be on board with the idea. You know, it's like, yeah, we need to go get the damn dirty Muslims. And, uh, you know, it's like, yeah, I just can't wait. Can't wait. Can't wait to get into We just got to decide, you know. Well, I mean, we're at war now. I mean, we always have been at war, I think, for the last, what, 200 years, right? Some somewhere in the world, mm-hmm. I think there's just nobody's nobody's drafting. But what's that again? Nobody's. There's no draft. It's not like Vietnam. I keep talking about Vietnam. That was the last time when it was like the, just the general public felt like. And you know, they talk about the economic draft and those like you know other subtle forms of draft, but just like a direct you know uh, military impressment, you know, hasn't happened for. Uh, uh, in well, my lifetime, the reason well, why is because yeah, because the 
because at the same time, you know, they've within the last what several decades where they've been ramping up these wars, they'd have been at the same time like decimating these rural communities. And they say that's where the majority of the recruits come from is these decimated uh, small like rural communities that had the had, had had the rug pulled out from under them with all the you know centralization of the farming production and everything like that. And so it's like, okay, you're living in a small town. And I, and I see that around here. There was all kinds of rural communities. Now it's all, uh, if you go out there, it's like they say don't go out there because it's all meth and drugs and everybody's right. on drugs. But it's like, uh, yeah, their whole, that whole economy has been torn out of the country. And then it's like, okay, so you're born and raised in, in an area like that. It's like, what options do you have? I mean, you can't get, right. you're not going to get into farming. Because there's just no future in it. It's like, oh, well, you can join the military. Well, you hope to join the military, maybe get a, get into uh, like the GI Bill, go to school or yeah. something. But those those guys are still, there's less and less for them. And, you know, that's why we're, we're, we're ebbing closer and closer to, you know, we're on this tide and it's getting closer to the shore. And now, the, now it's starting to rise. You know, and it's soon it'll crest when it's hundreds of feet high. When it comes crashing into the shore, it'll wipe out everything. Yeah, you know, why do they need a draft when, like, the news media is basically one long, drawn-out advertisement for the military? I mean, that's what it's become. It's just all about, you know, we got these all these Muslims that hate us, and we got to get them, and we got to fight them, and. And that that people get stirred up with all this just nonstop propaganda, and it's like, well, you know, I, I need a job anyway. What am I going to do? Uh, you know, I, I would sure like to get me a one of them filthy Muslims. And, and well, no, I'm going to be altruistic. I'm, you so know, like that's the what military. they're. I'm going to help people. I'm going to join the army to help people. That's how you help your country. That's how you help um, your your fellow man out. Is you you go help protect them from the evil horde. And there's always the evil, the evil enemy that's out there somewhere. We always got to, you know, identify was, but 40 years ago it was the evil Japs, the evil dirty Japs, the buck tooth evil Coke bottle lens wearing Japs that were, you know, they saw it in all the cartoons. They would they'd demonize them and show them, depict them in all kinds of uh, unflattering forms. And it's like, how do we, they're going to kill us all the dirty evil Japs and all that propaganda. And it's like, yeah, they just, you know, you fast forward a few decades and then, then all the Disney films in the 80s and 90s is like the Arabs, Arabs, the bad Arabs. The, <clears throat> yeah, there's that documentary, Real Bad Arabs. That's a good one to check out. But yeah, uh-huh. demonization, just a just a pro, just a systematic process of just demonizing Arabs all of a sudden out of thin air for no reason. And then it's like, yeah, the, the 9-11 happened, which is the biggest military recruitment film ever produced mm-hmm. uh, i don't mm-hmm. know what the budget was for nine the 9-11 production but it was it was huge it was a big uh uh just a big advertisement for the military industrial apparatus there and ah, they had insurance no problem no problem <laughs> yeah, billions and billions of coverage <laughs> collected insurance it was all it was. I tell people all the time. Look, it was a big. It, what was nine eleven? It was a big insurance fraud. That's all. Oh they yeah, had nobody. To cover up the, they had to cover up the crimes of the financial crimes, the Enrons, the Tycos, the WorldComs, all of the 
federal indictments that were coming against those. They were all all two weeks before, actually the first, the um, right around the first of September two thousand one. All of the Justice Department moved the case up to New York District Court, the Supreme Court, there, and had moved everything up to Building Seven. Wow. Two weeks later, boom, it all went, oh, they blew it up. Got well, that's obviously a coincidence. About <laughs> say anything other than a coincidence on that. But, uh, but you know, I believe that it was all planned. They were planned out from the start. I told you I used to be in, I used to uh, sell, you know, paints, coatings, uh, roofing systems, and asbestos abatement systems. This was back in the 80s. And a friend of mine had said, hey, listen, I want you to go over to the World Trade Center and do an estimate for it, you know, because they got a lot of asbestos in there. So they mm-hmm. took me up to, maintenance guy took me up to a number of floors, a lot of unoccupied floors that were just open space, you know, no walls, nothing. And had to measure everything out. And I noticed some very unusual things in that building. And that is that the it there were pre-drilled holes in the main support beams, particularly with the connective truss that connected to the outer skin of the building. Mm-hmm. And I had never yeah, seen yeah. that in a building before. And I asked the maintenance guy, this was like in 1986. And I asked the maintenance guy, like, I've never seen that anything like that. What's that for? And he said very nonchalantly, oh, that's probably so that when they bring the buildings down, they can blow this building up in no time. Yeah, by the way, Greg, I'm going to post that, that call we did. Because um, last week I had like three or four audios. I, don't, I didn't want to just bombard the podcast with a bunch of audio so i said well yeah i'll just uh since nothing we discussed was anything related to a series or it was it wasn't anything that was you know about current events or whatever so i said yeah i can just hold off on posting that one so yeah yeah we went into that about the building and i thought that was really interesting yeah so and not only that i mean every 34th if you look at pictures of the world trade centers you notice about 38th floor and then around the 70th floor or seventy uh, second floor, there were no windows. It was like solid bands. Oh yeah, Although, right. Those are what they call fire stop floors. That's where they had elevator equipment, uh, water tanks, you know, for the sprinkler systems and to service all the bathrooms and everything. Those were utility floors, and they were wide open spaces there, but they were extra reinforced to the floors above and below, and they also had cross member beams like X's because the theory behind that was if there was a fire in an upper floor, it would contain it, or if, the, if it, there was ever a collapse, it would contain it to the stopgap, and that's as far as it would go. So, um, when you look at those buildings the way they collapsed, there's no way they would have collapsed to the stopgaps and stopped. Yeah, That's what they were designed and engineered to do. The fact that it just went continuously down in one fell swoop the way they did it's uh i mean it's it's so obvious i mean oh yeah, yeah I, that is uh yeah if anybody believes that that fell from fire i don't know what to tell them i mean then they had the building seven fall just yeah yeah it's just i don't know well no greg i take that back because they solved the mystery right 
of why the towers <laughs> fell. Did you did you hear that about the yeah. molten aluminum? The see the aluminum melted on the plane, and did you know then when molten aluminum comes into contact with water, it it explodes like like real real big, and then nice. that's what made the towers fall. <laughs> and, and people are people are pouring melting of hot and molten aluminum in pools. I don't see any explosion. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't explode. But no, only on 9-11 will it explode. Uh, yeah, it, the laws of physics were, I guess, were all kind of, we went into some quantum uh, fluctuation and and then that all the laws Sounds of good. were altered. <laughs> and I, yeah, I'm just trying to flesh out that whole, to give it something to, to latch sure, onto. We, I, I think always we when with you're the at parallel. a loss to explain something, you can always go to quantum physics. because that, Sure, we, that we merge with the parallel universe. For, or something, we yeah, with, but it's something parallel to do with boot, quantum. Yeah, the fourth dimension yeah. merged with our dimension on September 11th. It was like, a, you know, it was, I saw it on, uh, on what was that, Quantum Hero back in the 70s on a show where they could merge the, uh, they, could, they could merge the dimensions. Oh, sure they can. Yeah, so, you know. Happens they, all, they, it happens yeah. on occasion. It just happened to happen on quantum more than you would think. Quantum leap. They did a they did a show once at merging quantum uh, merging, leap, right. uh, yeah merging dimensions. So they merged the fifth dimension in with the the third dimension and you know created a scenario where aluminum would blow up the buildings. And, hey, that sounds know. scientific enough to me, man. I mean, I I yeah, I totally go along with it. As long as it's just throw the word quantum physics in there, and it's like you you're gold, man. I mean, you, that's that's. <laughs> Good enough for me. Science, because I don't want to be a science denier. I don't know. Southern California on the call. I don't hear anybody. They're probably a. I, I'm not I'm guessing that it's another. Yeah, it's another science denier. I knew it. That guy, that John Adams. Oh, that John Adams, Adams guy. <laughs> total science denier. I don't even know why That's he uses science. Telephones. Science denying Alex Jones loving us, Hopi. Listen, there's one thing I know. He said Donald Trump is the second coming to Christ. Is 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 Alex Jones supporting Donald oh, Trump? Basically, that's basically what he's saying. I mean, essentially, is the second coming. And, yeah, totally, 100%. Just, on, yeah, on, on, on InfoWars right, Info right now, they're, um, they post with Judge Sumner. Excuse me? You know, you know, the, you know, Judge Janine, you know, kill them, bomb them, bomb them again. Oh, yeah, yeah. They would play that clip on uh, No Agenda. I haven't listened to No Agenda in a long time, but, yeah, they play that clip of her talking about, yeah, we need to bomb so, them, bomb them. So she's on Alex Jones. So, well, she, she's got a post of her on InfoWars thing, you know, she she's a... Uh, Doing some rant. It's a supporting post. So Infowars is. She's promoting Infowars. No, no. Infowars is promoting her. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's a kiss yeah. <laughs> Why? Yeah, it's like 
and then Trump is pro war, right? You know, he wants to, he's, he's all for the, get, he's got to get, we got to get the dirty Muslims and all that. We, uh, and then I guess a lot of people that like, uh, especially the people in the chat will like the idea that like, he's going to come and he's going to seal up the borders and, uh, do all that. So Trump, is he like the great white hope? I guess you calling that like the hope of the white race too, or is that just can, something that can I, read, can I read something for you? Guys? As long Go as ahead. it's about how the Jews control everything, then <laughs> it's good. If it's not, then like they, the Jews, we control everything. We write the books. We, 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 we run the system. We can, we handle your money. You have to come to us. It's well, we, we love it. We, we are we are on Talk Jew, and you, you do have stuff on YouTube, and it is the Jew World Order. So. I'm going to take the uh, you know when they announce it like Talk Jew recorded live. I, I need yeah. to go in there and tweak it where it says uh, Talk Jew. <clears throat> I'll have to do that. <laughs> All right. The consonant. All right. So when I when I came on the call. You guys were talking about something. Um, let me read you from the fall. Right. Let me read you from the fall 1991 issue of Intelligence for a New World Order by Stansfield Turner in the Foreign Affairs issue of Fall 91. Stansfield Turner is the former head of the CIA. He says, It is difficult to exaggerate how thoroughly the the gathering of information on the Soviet Union and especially its military power has dominated U.S. intelligence operations since the Cold War began. Today, in light of the diminished Soviet military threat to Western Europe, the sharp decline in the Soviet economy and the centrifugal forces pulling the Soviet Union apart, such concentration on that country and its military must inevitably decline. There will be differences over how much of a reduction is necessary, but it is difficult to see how anyone could argue that a substantial adjustment by the intelligence community is not in order. Any reduction in effort against the Soviet Union will be resisted strongly in the CIA, where the Cold War ethos runs very deep. Similarly, any reduction in effort against the Soviet military threat will be opposed by various military intelligence agencies, when after all, that threat is their reason for existing. Hmm. Yet two of those, yet two of those military intelligence agencies co collect not only military intelligence but also a major portion of U.S. political and economic data on the Soviet Union. The National Security Agency, which is responsible for most of our electronic intercepts, and the Satellite Reconnaissance Agency, which operates all intelligence satellites. Not only will new priorities have to be convincingly delineated, but some organizational changes will be needed as well, including a new position of Director of National Intelligence. What should the new priorities be? And then, um, unfortunately, you have to subscribe to finish the um, rest of the article. But um, I, I used to have a hard copy of that, and it basically goes into how terrorism is the new threat. What's the title of it again? 
it's titled Intelligence for a New World Order. By what did Stansfield that, Turner. And when did that come out? What was that published? It was published the fall 1991 issue. Like, like I said, I used to have the hard copy of it. And in the section two, he goes on to say that terrorism is going to be the new reason for the intelligence agencies to exist. Well, yeah, I, like uh, we talked about that with that uh, piece of dialogue out of that wag the dog. And then we know where the terrorism, as far as uh, what we know about, like, you know, as far as, okay, yeah, they hit us on 9-11. They hit us in San Bernardino. And uh, these hoax and fake things. Now, now, what about as far as, like, the... Um, all the influx of like immigrants coming into like Europe and then there's Sweden. They're saying there's like a rape crisis underway. There's all kinds of issues. I mean, like, uh, going on with that. And, uh, I, you know, I, yeah, I don't dismiss or discount any of that. I think that's, that's, there, there is all kinds of problems with that situation where you have people coming in from some uh, kind of a totally different culture, totally different uh, backgrounds. And they're going and they're trying to like, okay, integrate into this, this modernist European type social construct. And then, uh, yeah, you're going to, you're going to have some issues. And then, this is totally though. See, I don't know if people understand this. It's like this is totally a a uh, a an a totally agenda driven thing. And it's like I said, it's it's part of it, it's just a phase that we're going through. That is, um, I, I think that uh, I think you read about this like Plato's Republic. I think it's something that the ancient Romans did and stuff like that. It's, it's common practice. You you in you bring an influx of um, uh, you know, so-called foreigners into a geographic area to reconstitute, to restructure and re-engineer and reorganize the, 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 the culture and society. And, uh, that, that, that's part of the process. It's, it's like kind of being like, if you worked at a, a corporation and like you see them, you know, swapping out all the, uh, um, you know, copy machines and bringing in, uh, the new updated thing it's, or, or, you know, cleaning out the vents or, or, or whatever. It's all part of the process. I mean, that's part of the system that we're living in. And so we're going through whatever phase that that involves all that. But that's, I think that's what we're seeing. I don't think it's, it's because some, well, some accident. You know, you know what else, you know what else the Romans used to do too is when they would conquer one area, they would, you know, make someone kind of like their Roman vassals, right? Uh-huh. Of, of that particular area. And then they would actually take people from that area who, you know, basically sided with the Romans when they took them over and said, oh, yeah, you know, cool. It's cool you guys took us over. And then they would use those people to go in and conquer other areas and then have those people rule over another region that they conquered so that everybody 
you know, so like the people who were ruling over someone else had no connection to the people that they were ruling over. Right. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, so that's why America gets used as the, you know, to go in and occupy all these areas because, because you get, um, you have our, uh, you know, drive through culture and our suburbanized culture and our modernist culture. And then that is something totally foreign from other places in the entire world. And then when you go into those areas, the troops think that you're going into something that, you know, is so backwards that they have no respect for it and they have no respect for the people either. Or they want to, like you pointed out before, Chris, they want to help the people by proliferating the quote-unquote Western culture into that culture as well. Right. right. And then so Trying what is going to happen? Yeah, so what's going to happen? Okay, let's say we're looking at the influx of this immigration into Europe, into the, the Western countries and all that where they have now people will point that out especially like the you know white nationalist types stuff like that that oh well this is going to be the end of europe this is going to be the destruction of the west you have these uh kind of patriarchal cultures that are have uh this you know more aggressive tendencies and they're just going to come in and they're just going to wipe out societies we know it's like no what's going to happen this is uh, this is what I think is going to happen. I don't know. It could be totally wrong, but they're going to get assimilated. Okay, they're going to get they're going to get their soap operas. They're going to get their game shows. They're going to get their processed fast food, and they're going to be dumbed down, denatured, fucking uh, de incentivized, just like everybody else in the West. They're going to get assimilated into the fucking Borg. That's what they're going to do. Uh, that's that's what's going to happen. Now, is it going to is there going to be some uh, uh, is it going to be problematic in the in the interim? Yeah, but it's they're going to get it simulated into the Borg is what's going to happen. That's that, they got to financialize it, everything. That's why. Yeah, and then they're going to get inculcated with the weaponized Western culture, and then they're going to still have their you know family connections in in the in the areas where they came from, migrated from, right? And then they're going to influence that, and that's going to further erode and break down. Those those cultures that are the kind of last remnants and holdouts that still have these you know ideas about you know you know clinging to their uh, traditional practices and religious beliefs and all that stuff they're being they're being systematically absorbed into the uh, the board culture or lack of a better analogy board but yeah that's yes. yeah the collective they're going to get their they're going to get the game shows they're going to get the they're, they're going to get taught about yeah lottery tickets, how you play the lotto, you work your shit job, you ho hope to win the lottery, you go home, you watch your soap operas, you eat your junk food, you get your uh, cancer sticks and your and your TV dinners, and uh, you watch Dancing with the Stars or whatever they got over there in Europe, and yeah, you 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 you, you get it, you get in there and you mix in, you mix in, you 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 blend in, you don't blend out, you get. Yeah, you know, so they said there's there's rapes happening, which I don't, which I don't doubt, but that that will be that will be systematically uh, uh, eradicated from their from that culture as they assimilate into the Borg system. There's no doubt. 
Mm-hmm. This is a weaponized culture that we're under. That's it, it's going to turn it turns everybody the same into a, like a bland automaton. That's like I mean I hate to say it, but that's that's generally the population well, here what they represent. Just not thinking bland automatons. We, we have a falling population. The world the world population is not growing. It's actually declining. And the only yeah, but they're not going to usurp. They're not. They're not going to usurp American quote unquote culture because we don't have a culture. We have we have this weaponized, uh, profane, twisted, backwards, uh, psychological operation of a what we call culture. I I disagree. We have a we have a culture of commoners that has been. You know, that has been here since day one. Europe has a culture of commoners. Every country has a culture of their commoners. Yeah. Uh, th- that's resilient and it's going to be very difficult. The system will not be able to break it easily. But I mean, something very important to look into and it would probably make a lot of sense for a lot of it would probably become clear as to why this is happening is for people to look into the, ex- into the exchange, uh, the, uh, Oh, what's it called? It's the uh, the EFS, the Exchange Financialization, uh, something, whatever. I'm having a mental block. All right, this was a group created uh, back in 1933. That really, the Secretary of the Treasury is has total impunity. Is the one who's running the basically running uh, the U.S. and Europe and all the first world nations. And his purpose is to keep this whole financialization game going. And they do it through drug trafficking, through, you know, uh, illegal sales of arms, through, you know, illegal sales of oils and other commodities. Uh, this is how they destabilize cultures in, in countries. And then they'll flood the countries in with immigrants to destabilize their commoner culture. There's a lot to this. There's no really simple explanations, but definitely look into the EFS. There's some uh, there's some good information out there about it. Now, some guy had put some stuff out a few years back, and uh, he wound up disappearing, or they disappeared him. But his his YouTube videos are still around. The it's the uh, Exchange Financialization Service or something along those lines. Yeah, and then like. Uh I'll say, well, yeah, the, the, the so that they, they come in like immigrants. Some of them will have to go on like some kind of a public as, assistance scheme or something like that. Well, they all do. <laughs> yeah, there's just not jobs. Even if they wanted to work, there wouldn't be jobs for them. But you know, like you just mentioned, the overproduction of goods. Like you know, you have shipping containers for. Okay, so it, in order that that will partially deal with that issue where you have. It, it, it's all just it's just artificial construct. Their whole economy is just based on smoke and mirrors in a large part. I mean, it, it, you know, if it was really there to kind of feed, health and close everybody, that would have been, that would have been done and finished a long time ago. And then people wouldn't have to, you know, be working 40 hours a week. Everybody could, you know, but it's, it's not going to happen. It's all artificial uh, it, it's construct. But see, you have half the groceries being thrown into the dumpster According to like what you read out there, and you know, it so it's it's, it's total overproduction of goods and stuff like that. So yeah, you could absorb however many you know immigrants you want to absorb into that kind of economy, or do whatever you want to kind of move the the chess pieces around however you wanted to, whatever you want to do, and manipulate it and 
it's all, uh, w- once you understand the implications, and I, I mentioned that a lot because I think it's important in any kind of discussion of the economy or even going into issues of what's quote unquote sustainable as far as like farming practices where we throw half the groceries in the fucking dumpster for, for crying out loud. I think people should let that sink in what that means. And it's like, I repeat that all the time. I think it's like, I I think that's profound implications to what we're talking about when we're talking about the economy. We're talking about what is the economy and what, what are, what are we after when we're trying to, Oh, we just want to like a, a decent lifestyle. We want a decent way everybody to be fed, clothed, housed and stuff like that. But you know, it, you got overproduction of all, all your goods, all your service, all, all the, all the material wealth that, you know, like you're talking about Greg's like, okay, so they have a war to dispense with a lot of that or they could, where they can um, just put a lot of that, a lot of that excess production into the, you know, metaphorical wood chipper, right. And just grind it up into the war machine. Uh, yeah. But at the, you know, at the same time, like people are under this perception that, you know, you have this, oh, scarcity, artificial scarcity and, and all that stuff is like drummed into people's heads. Like I was talking about with John um, earlier, we we're talking on the phone. I was, talk- I was telling about this commercial I saw about you know water. Like this, it was like some public service announcement or saying, "Oh yeah, be sure that you don't leave the faucet running when you're brushing your teeth because some child in the third world uh, is doing without water." And, and, it's, <laughs> and the implication was, yeah, because you're selfish ass leaving your faucet on when you brush your teeth. That's little girl over there is thirsty. Good, good job. Uh, See, when, I was a, when I was a kid, if I didn't finish my dinner, it was like, finish your plate, they're starving kids in China. Yeah, that's, that's nonsense. Insane. Total nonsense. <laughs> you know, and, and this is from the same, you know, system that th- throws half the food it, literally in the dumpster. It goes in the grocery store. It sits there. If they don't buy people won't buy it. And then it goes past its expiration date. That's what I'm talking about. It goes in the trash. It goes in the landfill. And they put it in sealed, locked dumpsters. Right, so, so could, nobody can get, get it. it. Yeah. Yeah. So so any discussion about the economy, I think, has to address those realities because you, you're talking about something that is totally manipulated and totally artificial, and it has no bearing on uh, as far as what people's actually needs are and how what things that are produced get, get distributed out there to people who need it and actually work hard and actually work their whole work or, and then they can't afford, you know, decent quality of food and stuff like that. And then, yeah, just keep that in mind. And, and I'm talking about whole foods and all these grocery stores do it. They throw tons and tons and tons of food into the trash. And, uh, you know, it's just, yeah, they talked about they talk about potato mountains back in the Depression era, when they take potatoes and they pile them up into a big mountain and they pour kerosene on them to destroy them so they can nobody can eat them. They to create artificial scarcity to help out the 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 the, the producers of produce and all that. And it's like, yeah, they do the same thing. They've been doing the same thing for all these years. Only it's uh, it's hidden. It's, it's it's sort of hidden. Nobody thinks about it. It's in that it's in that big container behind the store that nobody looks at. And uh, um, 
a good point. I think that's a very good. Yeah, point. they don't put it in dumpsters. They put it in trash compactors that are sealed, so nobody will, you know, be able to do it. But I mean, yeah, the uh, people gets all uptight about food stamps and shit, and it's like, oh, it could be people food stamps. That's why I got to work so damn hard my whole life, giving these goddamn people food stamps. It never works. Like, no, look behind the store. It's like, where's all that food going? That's oh, going out the landfill. It's like, yeah, you pay for that too. Did you know that? It's like, yeah. so it's it's better just to just to cut off any kind of uh, food stamps or anything like that, so you feel better about yourself that you're not getting ripped off by some, you know, uh, some lady with you know four kids that she's got to feed. It's just you get into some cockeyed shit though in this in this system that's really just absurd. But it's like, well, one thing that we know though is like Donald Trump is gonna is gonna lead us out of all of this, and all we gotta do is wait. What? How many more months? <laughs> well, yeah, what the Simpsons predicted that he was gonna be president, right? Right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, well, deal, I guess. you know, it's, it's just a dog and pony show. It is. Nothing more, nothing less. It's but no, still, but, uh, yeah. Nobody talks about real reality and how artificial this whole economy is to begin with. Well, according to to Greg, it's it's not even artificial. It's actively weaponized, right? It's like it's not even. No, yeah, like, I think so. Oh, it's totally weaponized for, because you're. Expendable. You're a commoner. You're not a landowner. You don't have any rights. You're not even a person. You're a human. You're human is uh, a term for subhuman. It's you're on the same level as a dog, mm. and you're treated as such. You are. You are. Uh, you're on a plantation. You don't know. You don't yeah. know. You're a slave. You don't know what. How. Uh, who's making the decisions? You're given the illusion that you have choice. Because you could vote for Hillary or for Trump, but it's they don't work for you. If they're there, they're there because the landowners, the people who actually who are the people of the United States, who are the one where the debt compact called the Constitution was written before applies. It doesn't apply to us. We no, we are no. It's uh, well, has what it no does. bearing on us at all. We are nothing. Yeah, what I think what the, what it does as far as like the this system of law they call it, it's that it it, it it's it's this abstraction. You know, it's it, it's this concept that it, it's it's an idea that there is some kind of um, uh, an objective standard of some sort that exists out there, and that and an that's what kind of holds this whole thing in line is this system of law that. It, that 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 people you know and it's objective in other words it's unchanging it's always it's it always the same and it always applies to everybody it's like not not that's not even remotely the case though <laughs> it's not yeah. even close it doesn't even now the idea i guess is but the the idea and the reality is so far removed that uh it it it's it's like it doesn't even uh it, when you get into any kind of discussion of that, it's like you have to make all this, all these presumptions even to go into a discussion about the law or the government or politics. It's like it's all based on all these, all this, all this 
uh, all these presumptions that you have to lead off with in order to get anywhere in any kind of discussion of it. It's like you right, have to, to have any kind of discussion at all. That's right. I, right. I, I, you I, have I, to yeah. accept all of these things on their face that really mm-hmm. have no bearing in real reality. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, or application, it's I mean. very, very complicated. Well, all I can tell people is that this has always been a pirate cove. The U.S. territory that we call the United States is it is a uh, it was started and established by pirates for pirates and their posterity. Uh, commoners were brought in; they were populated here originally to clear the land, to extract the value of the land, and that process is continuing to this day. And once that once their yield, the crop is uh, ready to be yielded, then you bring in and you plant a new crop, and that's why they bring in other populations. It's just simply, well, we have to financialize a whole new set of people so that we can extract more profit from, from the land. And that's what we are. We're tenants indeed on the land. We don't own anything, nothing. If you did, you wouldn't pay taxes on it. So anybody who owns a house who thinks that, well, I'm a homeowner, blah, blah, blah. No, you own the land use. You don't own the land. If you had, if you discovered oil or diamonds or gold or any, uh, any, uh, commodity under your land, if you don't have the pure title to that land, you're out. They're going to, they're going to eminent domain you out and somebody else, the real owners are going to come in and extract it. That's how it works. This has never been an altruistic society based upon the laws of the, for the benefit of the common man. Not even one second. And for That's the people, truth. and for people who think that the founding fathers, the law, this is going to be for the, you know, for the regular people, but they do not understand any way, shape, or form the language they're speaking. They don't even know what the words mean. They're speaking pig Latin. And it doesn't apply. That's why when you go into court and if you try to say, tell a judge to, uh, you know, you tell a judge that you're trying to exercise your constitutional rights, he will laugh you out of court. Well, yeah, I've, I've experienced, uh, yeah, dealing with, uh, yeah, people inside the system. And uh, so you say something, you know, so that it's interpreted by them as like, oh, you're you're putting up some kind of uh, argument or some kind of resistance. Like so and then their immediate response is like, oh, yeah, you're one of them constitutionalists or something like that. I've had that ask me, you know, oh, you're you're it's like, oh, that's that's odd that, you know, that that would be a butt of a joke to you. And you're inside the system. No, it makes total sense, though, that they would have just disdain for, oh, that, that constitution. You know, of course they have disdain for it. It's obvious. I mean, it always had. But see, the thing is, they always had, you know, the people in, inside at all different levels inside the system know the, know the deal. I mean, they, they, they certainly don't apply these. The, all their rules and policy. I say this over and over, but it's 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 important for people to understand that none of the codes or laws or anything apply to the people in the inside the system. They're they, they never a pass. did. They're given. Yeah, a pass. they're always given a pass. They give each other a pass. They get. You know, they're in a certain club or a designation, 
And it's like, okay, so how is it in any way, shape, or form legitimate? Okay, but you're not, you're not saying that a cop is inside inside the system, right? A cop is just <laughs> he's just a, a tool of the system. He's not inside the system. Yeah, but even on that low level sure right there, they have sure exemption is. from their own laws. It's like it's it you know, even at that level. So imagine at the higher level there's absolute immunity well, from any kind of Think about law. it, Chris. The the high crimes, the whether we're talking about running drugs, the laundering money, prostitution, I mean you name it, the gamut of those of criminal activity is not being done on the street level. It's being done by the people that are within the system itself. They need they need these crimes. They need these uh, device in order to justify their own budgets. So they make sure that it happens. If the kids aren't doing enough drugs, let's start a dare program and train them how to use drugs. Hopefully, we can get more of them on it. Justify our budget. Mm-hmm. You know, they they keep this whole you know this whole uh, clusterfuck wheel going, you know, continually. And every cop is a party to criminal behavior. Whether they want to accept that or not, they are right, the getaway not, drivers. They're, they're the getaway drivers. No, they are insiders. They're, listen, if you were, I don't care if you had foreknowledge or not, if I said to you, Paul, uh, I need a ride to the bank and I, you know, just wait outside for me, all right? Keep the car running. And I came out with a couple bags of cash and told you to speed off. And we get pulled over to arrest. You would be arrested as an accessory to the crime. You would be a co-conspirator in the crime. Now, policemen are the police departments on all level, all levels. Police in this country are witness and party to numerous white-collar crimes within the system itself. And they do nothing. They are all yeah. guilty of conspiracy. Every one of them. Just well, being a cop is going to puts them in a position of being a party to a crime. Yeah, they're going to witness. Greg, there's a few bad apples, and you're judging everybody by the few <laughs> bad apples that are in there. But the, I have family the members. I have family members that are police, and I tell them this: like, look, I I understand why they did it, and then mm-hmm. once they're in it, it's a culture, and they're part of a club, yeah. and there are benefits to being in that club. So, in a way, I, but say, imagine, I certainly can't blame it, but don't. Don't deny the fact that it's real. But if it, if it, okay, so that's the case. So you have the, the majority of police that are on, you know, they, they are upholders of the law and they respect the law and stuff like that. So if that was the case, it wouldn't be possible to have corruption in any of those systems because the good cops would, would, would keep all the corruption in check, right? So you couldn't have widespread corruption. There wouldn't be possible. How do you, how do you, how does a cop get away with breaking the law, being in a cop and being surrounded by yeah, good cops? It he doesn't be, have to get away. He, a cop himself personally could justify that he's personally is not involved in it, but because he witnesses it and says nothing, that automatically makes him a co-conspirator. That means he's a party to the crime, whether he well by their standards. Yeah, that's that's what it. All I'm saying, all I'm saying is that anything that a a a cop is going to witness is is going to be pretty low level. That's all I'm saying. So that you know, (laughs) are you kidding me? (laughs) I I might not know what I'm talking about, but that's my impression. All right, that's my impression. Oh yeah, they come into a. Backdoor prostitution ring and all that with uh, with the mayor sitting there and uh, you know a couple other 
yeah, they see that stuff. They know, they know that stuff's going. I've heard about that stuff in town here. It's like, yeah, yeah but, is, but, but it's like, we're talking about, we're talking about, I mean, drug running, arms know, running uh, and all that too. Yeah. Arms running, yeah. drugs running, murder. But you cops aren't involved in that, but that hot, you know, like, like, the, you know, like to containers coming in or, or whatever. Most cops aren't. I mean, there's, uh, there are, yeah, cops involved in it, but like most cops are, are, are not involved in that is my understanding. There's probably a lot of them that are aware of it. I mean, I they may not all have aware of it, it. Who are directly involved in it, probably maybe 10 to 20% of them. The rest of them are told to shut up if they know what's good for them. That you don't break the code of silence. This is a club and you don't go against the club. Mm. And then most of these guys would be like, hey, listen, these guys can make me dead and say I was shot by a perp. Mm-hmm. Very easily. Or there's this thing too where here's here's what I think here's how I think it works it plays out where you know you have uh, some kind of operation going on where it's you know some kind of criminal operation obviously a criminal operation and then you know you'll have oh well you know we're conducting a, you know quote unquote investigation into this deal so and then it requires you know like okay getting getting um you know undercovers in on the thing and get them in positions so they can get the incriminating evidence and all that and like this whole thing could take years and years right you hear about this stuff that comes out and they say oh yeah we was on this case for you know five years or whatever so in the meantime you know you got all this uh, all all this you know shenanigans going on and it's like all under the auspices of like, oh yeah, we're taking care of it, but we got to do it and handle it a certain way. And then when the big bust comes down, it it'll be like the the low level, you know, minions and stuff that get get swept sure. up in the net. And then like, yeah, the big operators go on to you know re- reconfigure their operation somewhere in another area or whatever, but they don't, they're not the ones going to jail because they're in with the system on some, some level. But yeah, that it, yeah, I mean, come on. It, it's like, how do you have a, a society that is just absolutely ate up with drugs like it is right now? You know, like where does all this heroin, where does all this cocaine, where does all this stuff come from? How, how can it exist? And, and when you got so much, so many cops and so many, such a high presence of uh, the, uh, you know, all these agencies and all this stuff that's out there. And then, you know, we know what well, they admit to having all the wiretapping stuff going on and they do this on a regular basis and they tap phones and they have all these ways of, you know, peering into your activity and tapping your phone, doing all this and that and the other thing. And then, and, and uh, they, they don't get warrants or anything like that. They don't have to have warrants. Don't you know it's coming But still, in. all this drug operation goes on. How does that don't even you, possible? Don't you know that they've built crawl space tunnels from Tijuana to San Diego? That's where it's all coming from. Oh, it's they all under these tunnels that these dudes dig out by hand under the ground. Yeah, yeah. Sure, sure. It's the tunnels in the mini speedboats. They're the ones that are bringing in, like, the millions of tons of stuff from halfway around the world. Don't you know, like, the the crack dealers and the black kids on the street corners, they're the ones who are responsible for all this, damn it? Yeah, yeah, it's all... 
It's all because of, uh, yeah, your street corner dealer and all that. That's where it all comes from. That's, but that's absolutely, if you understand distribution chains and all that, that's absolutely ridiculous. Sure. But they got they got poppy fields out in the vacant lots in the city where they have fires. You know, that's where it's all coming from. Oh, that's the closing up shop music. All right. Well, so, you guys yeah, have a good night. Right, thanks, Paul. Thanks, yeah. Paul. All right. Thank you, guys. Hey, have a good night. Have week. a good rest of the week. Uh, yeah, thanks, Greg, man. Calling in. It's good to hear from you. Like I said, I'll post that call up we did. and uh, You make, our, you make Monday nights interesting, Greg. I appreciate that, man. I, yeah, I appreciate uh, everybody. You know, that send me emails and uh, words of encouragement, reviews, and that. And yeah, that helps out. And uh, I got a donation from Andrew. I appreciate that, Andrew. Uh, yeah, that helps out. Um, let's see. Oh, did I ever give this quote? Maybe I'll give a quote. See, I. Like I said at the beginning, it's like it's unstructured and informal a lot of times. But I usually have a procedure where I give a quote at the beginning, but now I'll give it at the end. How about that? Screw it. Just You're breaking throw it all to the end. Yeah, I'm just totally breaking the ground. Revolutionary podcast this evening. In nature, there is neither rewards nor punishment. There are consequences. And that's uh, Robert Green Ingersoll supposedly said that. But that's, I think that's fitting or... Yeah, nature doesn't have rules; it just has consequences, and that's that's true. But you know, the the wealthy can forestall those consequences uh, for a time, but it's going to catch up. It's all catching up. It's all going to catch up. It's all eventually going to come full swing, and then uh, then uh, yeah, it's all going to come out somewhere. It's like I said, you know, you you do the you do the you do the the, the the temporary easy fix and then there's always something you got to down the line the the bill comes due but yeah 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 nature has consequences ignore nature ignore ignore your nematodes in the ground ignore them just don't pay no attention to them they're working hard for you though they're working hard breaking down them minerals and giving them micronutrients and maybe that's why I dedicate this call to the nematodes that are down in the soil that people don't think is important. I don't need that to help you out and make your nutrients for your vegetables and your food. No, we just we'll just crank nitrogen down in there that we make out of petroleum. That, that's good enough. But no, it's science. But see, no, it's yeah, nature. Nature's coming up on you, and you you don't recognize it. That's when you go to the clinic and all that. That's that's nature calling to see you screwed yourself over, denying it. But see, that's. But you accept science and you deny nature, and that's that's what happens. But yeah, check out Hoaxbusters Call and uh, take care, everybody. Uh, hope to see you next time, same same general time. And uh, in the meantime, keep it between the ditches and all that, and uh, stay safe and all that, and uh, eat a eat a eat a carrot and eat a, eat it. Make sure it's organic.
you for listening to the Hoax Busters Call. You can subscribe to the podcast at hoaxbusterscall.com. You can support the Hoax Busters Call by rating it on iTunes. Sharing it on social media. Fire off a donation at hoaxbusterscall.com. Conspicuous graffiti in public places. Hoaxbusters Call. Conspiracy. Just theory. Uh, and now they're faced with a very real prospect of Donald Trump becoming the leader of the party, and it absolutely drives them crazy. Uh, they just cannot Why? imagine sharing. Well, because he's an outsider. He's not them. He's not part of the club. He's uncontrollable. Uh, you know, he hasn't been through the initiation rights. He didn't belong to the secret society. Um, and I think that they, they don't see him. They have no idea how to relate to him. Look it up. Look at who in military training academies, who they, they have voting societies and military groups that vote on the greatest general ever and the toughest. It's George Washington. Our founder was the best there probably ever was. And you sit there because you're a big man and you call him a Mason and say he was a devil worshiper when he was a devout Christian and tried to keep Masonry Christian. And it was overthrown by the Satanist to a great extent. And you sit there in your ignorance. And you piss on George Washington. I didn't know they stacked garbage that high. That's all I want to say to you. You're filth. You're stupid. You're dumb, and you should apologize for the crap comes out of your mouth. It would seem that Rudy Toot was a slam-bang go-getter headed for big things in life, right? Right. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.